What's up, everybody? In today's episode, I talked to Brian Bowman. He's an engineer slash now sales person for a tech company. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff. Not much about his business or what he's doing uh, career-wise, but a lot of stuff about just you know his history, obviously his backstory, stuff I like to ask about. And then we talked about uh, sensory deprivation tanks and stand-up comedy and all kinds of stuff. I tell a super embarrassing story about myself, and I kind of mentioned it in the pod too, but I tried um, going with no notes and just seeing how that would go this time. So... Um, obviously it's different because each guest brings different energy to it, but I would be curious to know what you think about that. So if you are one of the people that's listening regularly, let me know what you think about this. Send me a DM, comment, whatever, but just let me know what you thought about the episode compared to the others where I'm doing a little bit more preparation and what you think about that. Um, also if you like the pod, it would be awesome if you shared your favorite episode, um, on whatever social media platform you use the most. Um, that's helpful to get the word out, get more people listening. Uh, also please make sure you subscribe on whatever you listen to Spotify, Apple. It seems like Apple podcast still is the dominant one, but Spotify, Apple podcast, Google play, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcast. So anyway, um, it was a really fun conversation. I enjoyed it. We laughed a lot, so I hope you like it too. And with that, here's the pod. All right, welcome to the Little Pod That Could. My guest today is Brian Bowman, and he's in. He's calling in remote. You're in California, right? What part? Yes, sir. KTZ, what's happening? <laughs> what's good? What part of California <laughs> you in? I'm in San Diego at the moment, in Encinitas, to be exact. Yeah, beach life is, is not bad. Just moved here from the desert, so you can't complain. Yeah, I uh, walked my dog today in the pouring down rain. So yeah, I, there's definitely no complaints from you. That's 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 what I tell everyone. I spent my first 25 years in Salem, Oregon slash Portland, and it's like I just thought seasonal depression was a way of life. You know, everyone uh. is sad. Everyone is sad seven months a year, and that's the way life is. But it turns out sometimes there's sunshine, and it uh, changes up a little bit. Huh? Weird. That's a weird thing. Weird um, indeed. And and I was telling you kind of off the pod that normally I prep and I like study and I research, but then did you listen to Rogan's podcast with Bill Maher this week? I didn't. I didn't listen to that one. I listened to a couple of them before. I kind of I can, uh, you know, pick and pick and choose my Rogan guests, but Bill Maher was on the list. Yeah. Well, anyway, I did listen to it, and Bill Maher was going, you don't take any notes, you know, and I was thinking, that is incredible, because <laughs> I definitely try to be prepared, just because he was like, yeah, he's, I mean, Rogan's like, I mean, if we were going out to dinner, do you think we'd have trouble finding things to talk about? And Bill Maher was like, well, I mean, I guess not, but I still like to have stuff like, what if I just run out of things to ask, you know, and I'm like, uh, yeah. so I we're think- basically like trapeze artists today without a net, because I did not, I just wanted to try it, no preparation, see what happens. Sometimes you got to learn to fly on the way down. But, like, <laughs> you know, I, but... <laughs> I, I agree, like, if Robert Downey Jr. is coming on, like he had recently, I'm going to have a couple questions prepped. But Bill Maher just isn't RDJ level, and you can kind of come in guns a-blazing. 
dang. So is that disrespectful <laughs> to you then that I prepared for the other guests and with you I was just like, meh. Uh, no, I think that's appropriate. I think that's oh, okay. exactly. I think that's exactly what I deserve. It's just okay. Kinda, ah, let's see who this Bowman character is. What Judging is by your earlier performances, which we will not get into, I agree. I agree. That might be accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So, but <laughs> <laughs> no one understands that except you and me. Um, right. Okay. So Inside jokes are the best. Yeah. So for the people that um, maybe don't know who you are. Uh, can you maybe explain a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and what you're doing now? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's perfect. So I grew up in Salem, Oregon, and that's how I know uh, Kev in the flesh, actually. I grew up watching him coach basketball and playing against him, and I got a great story about that. But then I went on, I went on to study electrical and computer engineering, became an engineer for a while, moved to Phoenix as such. And then, um, and then I kind of pivoted a little my career into sales, but still in the technology realm. So now I'm a, a sales engineer, so to speak in San Diego. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, um, I make a lot more money in sales <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's interesting. And, but like, I also recognized in myself that I just love, people like when i sit down at night i read about people and like how to be a better person myself like self-help books and all the all the good old-fashioned tony robbins stuff right but 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 also like social psychology and how to interact with people and that kind of thing and i wasn't sitting down reading engineering textbooks so i was like well do i want to be the next uh wozniak or do i want to just you know, kind of be more true to myself. And so I've tried to be a little more true to myself recently. And that's how I kind of ended up where I'm at. So if people are like your main thing, then why did you study engineering to begin with? Money. Oh, okay. (laughs) So like, so I grew up in a pretty, I, I come from humble beginnings, I guess, so to speak, maybe Maybe a little surprisingly from West Salem because for think sure like, there's a for, lot of suburbia, right? Right. Well, and you know, like coaching at McKay, which was the you know poorest school in the area, it was always we just kind of expected everyone at West Salem, you know, had a lot of money. So, and I really didn't even know that until you told me that a couple of days ago that you you grew up uh, not being super wealthy. So I don't. Can you go into that? I don't. I didn't. I was literally I had no idea. Yeah. No. It's um. I mean, my parents, they, uh, they did awesome for the cars they were dealt, but at the same time they had my older brother when they were 16 and they had me at 20, my sister at 24 and then my last sister at 26. So they got Dang. four, they got four kids when they're my age. Dang. And, I, and I think about that frequently too. Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm doing good. I got a, I got a, I got a bachelor's degree in engineering. I've gotten two promotions or three promotions and all this stuff. And I feel like I'm riding, riding the high life. And I'm like, but I'm also kind of barely taking care of myself. And (laughs) my parents were married with four kids and neither of them had a college degree. I think my dad had an associate as a mechanic. So I'm like, ah, respect. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. For sure respect for getting it through but um but i i fucking i joke with my brother all the time because he uh i mean he's got a master's degree as a 
as an orthopedic physician's assistant and he loves wine. And one time I remember, <laughs> I remember pulling him aside when he was like sniffing the wine and enjoying it. And I'm like, Hey, uh, we grew up on government cheese and food bank food. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, let's tone it back a notch. And we both remember coming home and flipping the light and it doesn't turn on. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? Turning sure. the faucet, turning the faucet and no water comes out. Yeah. And it didn't, and it didn't last forever, but there were those days where the lights aren't turning on and the, and the water's not coming out. And you gotta you gotta navigate those waters. <laughs> now, speaking of navigating the water, see, so at McKay, that was like a fairly regular thing, and it wasn't something that you know. Obviously, kids aren't gonna like be announcing that, like, "Hey, we don't." But like, it wasn't something where if a kid said that, other kids would be like, "Oh my gosh, what?" Like, I mean, other kids would be like, "Yeah, that happened to us last month too," you know, or whatever. But like, the school that you went to was definitely much more affluent, so. How did how did you navigate that in in that space? You know, because yeah. like when you're a kid, you don't you're not self confident, self aware most of the time, you know. And so to have something like that, I mean, yeah, what was that? Tell me about that. It's it it's different for sure, and I think it it depends on the kid. Like I think um, I think my brother was a little more uh, private about it and just kind of reserved, and he's like you know, kind of fuck all this. But me, I was just a different, I was, I took it differently where I was like, this is kind of hilarious. <laughs> and so, I, so I would joke about it with my friends and a lot of them would laugh with me because some of them could relate yeah. and some, some of them couldn't. And they just kind of appreciated and would joke with me. Cause you know, you're like 13, 14, 15, your kids, it's not like, it's not like you're the reason for the struggle. So sure. I don't know. It, it's, it is, it's interesting to think about how, you know, different kids take it different ways. So I would just joke about it and laugh it off. But at the same time, reflecting back on that, it's, it's a uh, joking and laughing from insecurity probably in a way sure. too. Yeah. But, but you feel, you feel more grounded and grateful and appreciative of, the stuff that does come afterwards, I suppose. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Can you tell me like one story? So, cause I've been trying to think, you know, I'm trying to be more about stories and not just so much like explain to me this process, break this down, you know? Mm-hmm. So can you give mm-hmm. me like one story that you would say, like tells, gives me a picture of what your, what you were like as a kid. Oh, that's a good question. I like that. It's hard nice. to say because like each 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 period has a different it has a different kind of story. Like when I was real young, let's say ten and younger, I was just a I think they call it like a ham. Like I just love to sing and dance and okay. be the center be the center of attention kind of thing. Yeah, that was just and so I was just watching home movies just the other day. My grandpa's uh, he's kind of sick on hospice, so we, you know everyone the family's crowding around his house and we're watching home movies and I'm in the middle of all of them singing old, singing old country songs and just being white as shit. Um, (laughs) But, but then, you know, you get a little older. Does that footage exist online anywhere? Not online. That's VHS, my friend. Okay. Okay. I had to to explain to my little cousin what VHS was. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) 
<laughs> I bet you did. It's it's like it's like rolling up the windows. Kids these yeah. days, kids these days don't know what rolling up the windows means. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's a button to them. <laughs> yeah, and and rewinding a video isn't rewinding a VHS tape anymore. Rewinding, saw, a, <laughs> right? I it's, saw a meme today with um, Abe Simpson. Is that Homer's dad? Is that what his name is? I think so. He's sitting on a log talking to a bunch of kids and says, me telling <laughs> telling people about uh, free co- free minutes after nine. I was like, dang, I forgot about that. Right. I was like, I'm even older. Like, I remember my, my mom was telling me that my grandma used, her siblings, they used to write letters to each other because mm-hmm. they couldn't afford to call long distance. And so, like, one sister would send a letter to their brother, and then they would send that letter and their new letter to the... And they would, like... It was like a legit chain letter. They would send all the letters before to the next person all the way around until it got to everybody. I can't help but think of Game of Thrones with, like, just ravens carrying letters around Seriously. (laughs) It sounds like that's the time they were living in. I was like, what in the... My mom was telling me that. I was like, how old are you? Holy crap. That's that's 50 years ago. That was not that long ago. I know. It's nuts. (laughs) And I remember, I mean, 15 years ago scrolling through my LG flip phone and seeing inbox and outbox in the text messages and being like, what the, what the hell is this? What does inbox and outbox mean? (laughs) You know? And then you start sending the, the, the T nine word text messages. Oh my gosh. You got to click each number four times. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I remember there's a clip on YouTube from 1994 where the, the cast of uh, the today show, are talking about the internet and it seems like it's from the 1800s. That's <laughs> it's insane. They're like, That's, what is that? That a with the circle? Is that about, is that at they're like, the inter- email the us at, dude, it's crazy. And you're like, this is, that was 94. Anyway, that's 20 years ago, dude. It, and they, it was like the internet had, they had no idea what it was. They were like, yeah, ago, send us an email. Oh, and then and then now we got like VR and AI and all these buzzwords coming in. It's like, what's going on twenty years from now? Yeah, like nobody twenty years ago, maybe a couple people predicted what's going on today with like the addiction to cell phones and devices and everything, but twenty years from now, I don't know where this shit's going. Yeah, but I mean shoot, if you look back, you know, in the eighties they thought at this time we'd have flying cars. So I mean we're obviously not but but they were they were kind of dumb in the 80s let's be honest i mean i grew (laughs) up in the 80s so you're kind of insulting me but that's fine you know it's fine but you know what i mean you know Hmm. you know all right so back to this point here you said when you're younger than 10 and younger you're a ham then what and then and then and this is the stand-up comedy bit i'm writing a little bit is i start to you know hang out with my cousins a little more and I see how cool they are. There's like the social influence and I get into a total like listen to rap music and just straight basketball and I want to wear do rags and be jaw rule in the flesh swear. Pre fire festival jungle though. Exactly. Pre fire okay. festival jungle. Okay. okay. Did you watch the Hulu and Netflix documentary on that? Of course I did. Both of them? Yes, of course. So interesting seeing both sides. Well, it's not really both sides. The Netflix documentary was 
executive produced by the fuck Jerry people. Like, they're the ones that were advertising the fire Festival. So it's not really theirs. I mean, it's totally, at least the Hulu one was like somewhat. Was, Unbiased. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, see, I didn't do enough research to see that. See, that's what you learn about me is I spend way too much time thinking and investigating things that have absolutely, that are not important at all. You want to, you want to hear something exactly along these lines that, that kind of, that kind of messed me up the other night. Yes, please. This is probably three weeks ago. I'm on the couch looking at sleeping on the couch because, um, okay. because yeah, I was living with my ex-girlfriend. It wasn't a good period of my life. This and is just a couple months ago. This is a month ago, probably actually <laughs> okay. uh, maybe, maybe a month and a half. I'll give it six weeks. Okay. Tops. And I'm sleeping on the couch and I'm looking at my phone, watching YouTube videos. And I get on this investigative investigative journalist that's just crushing it okay he's he's not super right wing he's not super left wing he's just kind of calling it as it is do you want to shout him out on the pod Uh, i'm trying to remember his name i think it was come on i know you can't go on youtube rabbit hole and not have a reference for people you'll you'll understand why here in a second so this guy's crushing it he's a pulitzer prize winner i find out oh he's won he's won a journalism prize and he's yeah, he's just talking about military industrial complex and he's he's kind of hollering about like Christian fascism and how, you know, some some levels of Christianity or use the faith to, you know, further their political yada yada yada. Yeah. He's hitting he's hitting all these really young democratic bones in me, needless to say. Okay. And and I'm going down, I watched 30 minutes of this video, 15 minutes of the next and I'm like, "Dang, this guy's got it going on." And I look what YouTube channel it's on. And the YouTube channel is called RT, and it's got a million subscribers. Okay. I'm like, okay, so this is a legit news YouTube channel, and it's talking about being a, you know, an unbiased news source. But I feel I feel a little Kevin Turner tingle, a little spidey sense, yeah. spidey sense, spidey sense, you might say. Okay. And so I Google RT. Kev. You want to guess what RT stands for? Republican Times? Russia Today. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Wiki- I mean, even Wikipedia called it out. It was it was a Russian propaganda YouTube channel. Nice. And you were deep diving. I was I was probably at least 45 minutes in and <laughs> and I was all systems go. I was 10 out of 10 ready to ready to donate $15. <laughs> to this YouTube channel wow. because I appreciated the journalism, but it turns out it was all just like trying to. Even the YouTube or Wikipedia says, you know, they try and push the the American system down of capitalism in order to somehow twistedly lift the Russian system up. And I was like, ah, I'm an idiot. Nice, <laughs> nice, good work, good work. I don't know how we got there, but I think that's just a, oh, checking sources, doing the research. Yeah. See, that's that's interesting, though, because when I go down rabbit holes, I'm never, like, trying to think. I'm watching homeless people fight. I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching like, people freak out in public. I, I watch, like, that kind of stuff. So Lion, least, lion versus tiger. And yeah, yeah, China, yeah. Well, no, course. that's a little too – it's too – it's – Pulls on the heartstrings. You see, like, even yeah, though it happens, true. I get it. It's nature. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just saying, like, 
I don't really want to watch it. But homeless people fighting, like they're choosing to fight each other. Like people freaking out in public, they're choosing to do that. So it pulls on zero heartstrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People fighting. I, I like a good Black Friday <laughs> melee. I like stuff like that. You know, like I watch that kind of stuff. Okay, that that's true. People that's fighting fair. at Walmart, stuff like that. Like <laughs> that's more where I go. See, that's kind of something interesting to me in and of itself. That like a lion and a tiger. That that does hit me harder than two people fighting at Walmart. Yeah, I mean, have you seen the documentary "Don't Fuck with Cats" on Netflix? I have. People people that listen to the podcast regularly, like, oh my god, stop talking about a stupid documentary. <laughs> but <laughs> that's another one that you should watch for sure. That's a crazy document. And also, when you were talking about the the Christian fascists using sharing their agenda, you should watch the family on Netflix. That's a documentary about. Oh. That same thing is pretty crazy. The family? Yeah. Is it is it something along these lines of kind of how... 100%. 100%. Like the private jet It's crazy. Did you go to Young Life when you were in uh, high school? Oh, I loved Young Life. I, okay. I still kind of... I'm actually curious to see where this goes because I still kind of hold it in a pretty high regard. Yeah, so please... So it- so please what? So please what? Me. Sorry, huh? Please enlighten me. I want to hear it. I want to hear. Well, it just it's uh, it has roots to Salem Young Life. The movie does. So Doug Coe, I think that's his name. He's okay. like one of the founders of Young Life. He ends up ending up in Washington, and he's sort of like a de facto advisor for like four or five different presidents. And um, I remember hearing his name back in the day because he like went to Willamette and anyway, so and it's just kind of about his influence on politics and the over the last forty years. So, in like a good way or a bad way? Uh, you should watch the documentary and decide for yourself. That seems like a bad way. Like that doesn't sound like a good way. I feel like if it was a good way, you'd be like, oh no, he's this awesome dude. He did. He he really created a moral structure for America. Uh. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Not so much that? <laughs> Not so much that. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, it's definitely worth a watch. That was eye-opening for sure. I was like, wow. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Well, yeah. And, I mean, you get it sometimes just from going to church in general, which I have nothing against it. I think it's an awesome thing. But at the same time, when you're at church and, like, you know the you know the church gossip that's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. a common thing where For everyone's sure. just kind of like, hey, you see Melinda the other day, mm, <laughs> that ain't Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, throwing stones when you're in a glass. See, uh-huh. that's one of that's one of the reasons why I love just knowing, knowing biblical verses and kind of being well-versed in it is like, whoa, you start to see the hypocrisy of it sometimes as well. Yeah. It's interesting. Most people do not want to wade into religion waters when they're on the pod. They're like, mm, let's stay away from religion and politics. But you're diving right in. Ah, why not? You know, I think it all kind of weaves together. I got a, I bought a Buddhist shirt in Sedona two weeks ago. So, you know, I feel like a spiritual guy. Okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you buy a Buddhist t-shirt, I mean, I don't know how you're not spiritual. It cracks me up because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. There's like Hindu verbiage on the front of it, but it's just like a flowy cotton shirt. Okay. I was like, ah, I feel like rocking that. And yeah. someone's like, what does that say? Mm. I have no idea. It could say fuck America. I have, I have no clue. Yeah, you have no idea. Okay. <laughs> but nice. but it, you feel you feel better than people if you wear something like that. And that's oh, the and import- that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the important yeah. piece. Exactly. For sure. That's the For important sure. piece of any clothing, right? 
Speaking of which, sort of on this topic, did you watch Finding Joe? No, you haven't had time. You've been working Finding on that presentation. Joe. The video I sent you, I sent you that documentary. Oh, I told, damn, I, gave I you wanted you to. Like, oh, yeah, I'm Deepak? totally going to watch that, but I knew you is weren't going to watch it. because Is that with time. Deepak, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want. I do want to see that, but yeah, I've been working a lot. I got to... Uh, I have a conference next week, so mm-hmm. that ma- that makes me really busy. Yeah, it really you should kinda... check it out when you get a chance. It's about Joseph Campbell, and it's really good. Who who? Joseph Campbell. Ooh, that name sounds familiar. He's like, as... also someone I end up talking too much about on this podcast. I'm sorry if everyone listens all the time. Both of you that listen all the time, I'm sorry if you hear this again. But <laughs> Joseph, Joseph Campbell is one of the leading, or was, I don't think he's alive anymore. Yeah, he's not alive anymore. Uh, he was one of the leading um, experts on myths and mythology. Mm. And he came up with the idea of the hero's journey so that all of the stories in that have ever been devised all share similar themes. So whether you're talking about Harry Potter or Star Wars, like the themes of those all, you the same types of things happen in every single story. So do you fuck with Jordan Peterson at all then? In yeah, that, dude, in that same vein? I saw I saw the Instagram pic with you and JP. I saw it. I saw it. Did it? It it gets me. It gets me a little excited just thinking about the fact that I got I met him and got a picture with him. Yeah, I was but, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Now there'd be some people who would be like, oh my, you know, you know see, I think he's like the most misunderstood person in pop culture. Well, he is. Yeah, he's in pop culture. Like he's. Like because the hard thing about him is he's so thoughtful, but people don't want to think. So yeah, I think so. Well, and I I want to understand, understand, rather the other side. Like I want to see why people hate him so much, and I, I try to get it, but at the same time I'm like, just listen to it a little bit. Yeah, and that's it. That's they don't want to. They don't want. <laughs> they just want to read the headlines. I mean, that's like when you when people will post stuff on. Facebook that's has just a terrible, ridiculous uh, headline, <laughs> and there were stories like if you read the stories like hey this isn't true we just wanted to see who would, and people were like commenting in outrage like this is why America's going down the drains like the if you read the article it's, it tells you it's not even real, but that was actually one of my favorite Ari Shafir stories I heard where he went on YouTube and he just looked up cat videos. Mm-hmm. And since he just looked up cat videos, it kept recommending a bunch of cat videos, and it was like the algorithm fed itself on cat videos. So it's not that like the internet is promoting outrage; it's that people love outrage and they right. seek it. And that yeah, definitely. Itself. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I get that because the Kardashians kind of entertaining to me. I watched The Bachelor. You know, it's it's just you. It's, uh, there's so many people right now talking about The Bachelor, and I cannot believe people are still watching that show. I don't. I'm I'm not watching the most recent season because I'm a little busy and I'm had to move and all that good stuff. But <laughs> you had major life experience happening, so that's why you had to stop watching The Bachelor. Like, oh, like okay. I, okay. I had I had real life going on, but like <laughs> if my life was boring and sedative and I could had all the spare time to watch The Bachelor, that's exactly what I would be doing right now cuz Okay. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. There's like what, 20 or 30 Women, I mean, the Bachelorette, twenty or thirty guys, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is the love of my life!" Like, "Oh, uh, and she's gonna love me," <laughs> and, and and they think that's how they're gonna get married and find and and the crazy part is to me, 
that it's actually worked a couple times. I just don't get it. It's worked. Yeah, There's... that's fine. That's cool. I'm <laughs> glad that some of them found love and gotten married. That's awesome. I just don't get it. I don't get any part of that. What's the most absurd part to you? Of that show? Yes, of the <sighs> ecosystem. Of the ecosystem. So it's tough because my my experience with it is super limited because I won't even entertain it. I'm like, I just will not watch that show. <laughs> so um, the most absurd part just to me. Just the principle of it upsets you? No, it's not even the it's it's the fact that I you know I don't even know that there's these twenty or thirty people that are there. There's no way they could be looking for love. That's their main motivation, because with the amount of like apps and dating services and bars and libraries and wherever else you can meet people, there's plenty of those available. Those people want to be on TV, like that's their driving force. How many yeah. library relationship hunters do you know that you felt that you should mention I, libraries in that? <laughs> well, because I said bars, and then I felt bad. I was like, well, there's probably balance, other let spots. Balance, let me balance Yes, let me balance it out by saying libraries. <laughs> I, bet, I bet there's been as many library love connections as bachelor love connections. <laughs> That's actually a good point. So back there's off. Been, there's probably been a lot more. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, yeah, yes. And you know you're going to meet someone there that you are you share interests with. Now, if we include Bachelor in Paradise, I don't know. We might have an argument to <laughs> See, be See, I don't even know. I don't even The people are like, oh, yeah, there's all these other shows. I'm like, okay, I don't watch the main ones. So I'm definitely not aware of Bachelors in pa- Bachelor in Paradise. But I am aware of the fact that there are people who still have, like, viewing parties. I get it. And if you like it, that's fine. Like, I'm not judging well, you. I feel I mean, personally attacked, and I want a list of all the TV shows you watch. So I oh, I mean, I watch some absurd things on TV. So I am not. I am definitely not bringing any judgment at all. <laughs> the Bachelor is special, though. It's a, it's a special one. I mean, you're not the first person that I respect that has told me that. So I mean, that's fine. Like, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> and I'm glad there's people around that enjoy it too. It's, you want to hear something that that's kind of on the order of that amount of ridiculousness? Yes. I watched I watched Breaking Bad for the first time last year. Oh my gosh! See, phenomenal, phenomenal. Your, yes, you're filling your time with The Bachelor. Meanwhile, there's shows like Breaking Bad that you're missing. The Sopranos I haven't watched it. Yeah, me either. I started watching it and I was sort of into it, and then I just—that's one of those I just never finished. Eh, fell off. Yeah. So I want to tell my favorite Kev Turner story. Wait, wait, wait! Can we stay on TV for a second, though? All right, let's stay. What? On it. Uh, and this is crazy because without any notes, I'm literally just talking about whatever I'm interested in that exactly. we talk about. But um, exactly. Do you have like a? Fi- could you could you tell me what the best TV show of all time is? The best and does Breaking TV Bad show. rank in there? It has to. Okay, okay. It, it has to, because I also loved. I I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed Malcolm in the Middle before hmm. watching Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. and so seeing what seeing Brian Cranston's ability to transform as a character yeah. was impeccable. I was a Game of Thrones fan, so it's hard to leave Game of Thrones out of that conversation. Yeah, but with season eight, I I think it disqualifies it. Oh gosh! Don't get me started. It's, I mean, it's, 
you, but you hate to let you hate to let such a small piece, but it's, it is the finale. Small and, piece, this and is an I guess, entire season. Yeah, but you know, it's an eighth. It's twelve and a half percent, and it's yeah. not even that because it's shorter episodes. So you're gonna yeah. let you're gonna let ten percent of a of a hundred percent of a show ruin the entire show. When you're talking about the best show of all time, you have to because you're nitpicking. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. You, you put well, all if we five take seasons. A sports, if we take a sports analogy here, it's like if you if you mess up the last one minute of a basketball game, it doesn't matter how well you played the the entire game. So you're just you're you're making my point stronger. I yeah no because I agree with you. So okay. it's, I agree that Game of Thrones can't be the best show of all time. Okay, but it's it's hard for me to not put it in the conversation because the first seven seasons are that good. It's and I agree. It's it can be in the conversation, but it's definitely not the best. I think Breaking Bad is. That's why I was, I was wondering. Yeah, Breaking Bad's definitely in there. You know what? Because there's some of those those one seasons, like the first season of Prison Break, mm-hmm. is so is so good. But we're not but talking I, about seasons. That's a different conversation. You could have what's yeah. the best season of a show of all time, and then you know, then you can get into that. But. I also I also think The Office can be in there even as a comedy For which sure. you know they For never sure. get they never but like the crazy thing is that The Office is almost more popular now than when it was actually on. Right. Parks and Rec is up there for me. I yeah. loved Parks and Rec. I agree, but see, it's not like if, if you're talking best show ever, like The Office crushes it. So yeah, you're right. It can't really be in the conversation. Anyway, sorry. This is again. This is like that's my wheelhouse. So anyway, go on. Tell your story about your favorite story about me that you wanted, <laughs> yeah. you've been dying to tell. I've been dying. I've been telling you about this for a mm-hmm. week that I wanted to tell this story so mm-hmm. bad. Because, you know, basketball was a big part of my life uh, growing up. And I shout out to my brother and my dad because we would go, you know, he'd get home from work and we'd find either Clear Lake Elementary or Gubser Elementary. You were living in Kaiser? You maybe, yeah, we did live in Kaiser for the first, till Zach was in sixth grade. But, um, But we would go to either Clear Lake or Gubser because they had lights on at night and we'd be getting buckets Okay. So anyways, so we get to high school and Zach does well. I mean, you know Zach a lot yep. better than myself. He was mm-hmm. a he played quite a bit as a junior and a senior on on varsity. And you know, I was uh not so prominent in the starting lineup. <laughs> Nonetheless, true. When it, Very true. when it when it was my senior year and we were prepping to play or maybe junior year. Yeah, because Carter was a year older than me, right? Yes. Okay, so it was my junior year, and we're prepping to play McKay, and you got Carter, and you had one more hitter on your team at, that year. Who was the other shooter? So we had a couple guys that were were really maybe, good. So maybe Rocky. Rocky was wet that year. Rocky for sure. was all right, and then um, Ian Silbernagel was also really oh, good. Oh yeah, Ian and was And then solid uh, Major Harris was the. Oh, first team all league defensive player of the year. So, oh yeah. my gosh. I remember Major blocking a guy at Hoopla and, yeah. and almost putting him in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> when here's a quick Major Harris story. When Major was uh well actually a couple of Major Harris stories. So when he was a freshman, he was playing on the freshman team and um we were watching our freshman coach was watching film and he goes, Hey, you got to come, come up to my class and watch this because he was watching on his prep or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, I got a clip. You got to see him. Like, all right, cool. I go up there and they were, you know, throwing the ball around the perimeter 
and they throw it to Major. He's a freshman. He catches the ball with one hand. <laughs> <laughs> they like throw him the ball and he catches it with one hand. And we're just like, this is, I mean, he's a freshman. And it was just like, it was insane. Like he, and it was like no big deal. He just catches it with one hand, puts it in two, and then passes it. It was insane. We were like, well, we must have watched that clip like five times. What is going on? And then also, they used to get us charter buses um, to take the road trips over to Redmond. Yeah. And one I time he that. was, and they had the like the upper compartments up there. Mm-hmm. He was sitting in his chair, and he opened the compartment from sitting in his chair, got Are whatever he needed out of there and closed it. We were like, "This guy is insane." He was a crazy athlete, dude. We had like ten guys on that team that could dunk that year. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it was you nuts. Know, you know, probably my greatest high school pleasure to watch because there was my cousin who I loved yeah. watching play, Corey, mm-hmm. and then there was Jeremiah at South, yeah. who was just obviously a phenomenal person to watch play. So but still, crazy. still probably, I don't know. Corey's probably always going to be my favorite just because his family. Yeah. But Greg Plater was such a special player to watch play. Yeah, I was he, an assistant when Greg was. was uh, when Greg was a junior just, and senior, just watching him walk around, he just had like a bounce to his step. Yeah, dude, he was <laughs> so quick and he could shoot. But that guy, I will tell you, that guy, he whenever like I was the JV coach, so I coached him as a freshman. He was on our freshman team, mm-hmm. and then as a sophomore, he played varsity. But um, I was a JV coach. If I had morning practice in heat and they didn't, he would come in and shoot like. He didn't get that good just by accident. Like that guy no, put the work. Not in. at all. Well, and he was, and he had the lefty, which always yeah. just looked nicer to me. For it was sure, just that lefty shot that you can't help but enjoy watching. For sure. He, he actually played hoopla with my cousins and my brother. I remember that. Oh, nice. Gosh, what a squad that was. But yeah, I remember just watching him play was special and I was, and that made me like from then on, I was like, if I could change one thing about my game, it would be being left-handed. I just wanted to have (laughs) a left handed shot. Like Greg did. No, no, no. Like Chris Mullen too, back in the day. He was, Oh, Salim, Salim Stoudemire at Arizona. Oh, that was another one that I just enjoyed seeing. Yep. All right. Are you going to tell the story? You've been dying to tell the story. And then we got sidetracked talking about, Good Thank athletes you. and good players. And <laughs> right. Yeah. So now that we're now that we're done talking about the good athletes, let me tell you about uh, <laughs> the bench athlete Brian Bowman's story okay. in in high school. Okay. Probably probably one of my favorite. Actually, one of my most fond memories looking back on high school basketball. Freshman year was fun. Junior year was fun. Sophomore and senior year not so fun. But in junior year, I was playing scout team for varsity, and we're getting ready for Jordan Carter and McKay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on the scout. I'm on the scout team, and Grames, one of my favorite high school coaches ever, because uh-huh. Grames is just, he gets it. He's a players coach. I feel yeah. like you're. A, I feel like you're a players coach in a way. Yeah. Grames was also a players coach. Okay. And he's like Bowman, you're Carter. And I'm like, all right. And we, you know, videotaped and scouted you know, a couple of McKay's offenses. And so we had one play and guess what Grames chose to call the play, which, was, basi- which was basically Carter get wet. Yes. He called it, he called it cash and carry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we would just run cash and carry in practice and I would cast up threes and hit nothing but nylon, maybe 
25% of the time, okay. but it'd be streaky. It'd be streaky. Okay. And that, and that, and I just remember <laughs> scouting your, your coaching of Carter. Just, I mean, what did he average that year? 30? Close. Yeah. He led the state in scoring. I think he was at like 27 or 28 a game. He led the state in scoring. Yeah. Okay. That's why it was my favorite scout team. Cause those, trying to emulate the state-leading scorer, and I yeah. didn't even realize it. Well, and the funny thing is that you're not that far off from <laughs> Matt Espinoza, who was coaching at McNary at the time. Him and I are friends. And he said to me after the season, he's like, I think at one point when we were playing you, I heard you yell to Carter, give him the business. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> that's, that's about right. That's about right. That's how I coached. Like, there wasn't too much X's and O's. It was pretty much just give them the business. And that meant, you know, do whatever you do and then we'll be good. So, that's what, But that's what good players want to hear. Like, I remember that was one of Corey's frustrations is he never heard give them the business from his yeah. coach. Well, and that's what he wanted to do the whole time. That's the, uh, yeah. So that's... If that's why I've probably never been asked, I take that back. I was asked to speak at a coaching clinic, but you know, <laughs> I haven't been asked back since because they know that what I really did was just say, "Give them the business." So you would en- you would enable your players to do what players do, which is like you put in all the time in the gym. Now give them the business. That was that was I took the John Wooden approach that the the preparation was more important. I always did. I did feel like my biggest impact was supposed to happen in practice right so i think that's i think that's 100 percent accurate now i can say that i didn't abide by that (laughs) because my 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 attitude in practice was just get physical because you know we just come off football season and right sometimes you just gotta sometimes you just gotta lower a shoulder in the pain a little bit yeah yeah (laughs) okay all right Huh. Well, anyway, so people probably are also sick of me like reliving because I don't do it. People just bring up stories about the past, and then I just they're I good times, about... man. I can't, I can't help it. Those are good they times. They were good times. They were funny. <laughs> so yeah, did you listen to the Carter episode? Because we talked, we talked some old school McKay hoops. I listened to a good portion of it. Yeah, um, it was a little later. You might have to finish that one. So. Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, like I said, he gave me the highlight of he gave me the highlight of my basketball career. You got to run cash and carry. Cash and carry. <laughs> if I had have been more creative, maybe I would have called it that too. I probably just said give him the business. That was probably it. Call time out. Like, hey, give Carter the said, ball and give him the business. You said Young Life had a. Uh... Willamette, did you go to Willamette or what's your what's your what's no, your background? No, what, no, what, he, he wasn't you doing Young Life at Willamette. He just he went to Willamette. That guy did. I didn't. I went to Western Oregon and Corbin actually. So yeah, that's that was me. That's what I did. You Ooh. went to OSU, right? Yeah. So you got a little Corbin's. That's a Christian school, right? Super. Yeah, very Christian school. What's that like in college? Because it's kind of. You know, those are two competing concepts a little bit of colleges that well, I was in you're a, finally free. And yeah, then, I was in a different spot, though. I wasn't really, like, I didn't really grow up, like, partying or, like, doing, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, so when I got to Corbin and they had a thing that you had to sign saying that you wouldn't watch R-rated movies or dance, I just signed it. I didn't really care. I wasn't going to live on campus. So, but that, that was a thing. That definitely happened. 
every yeah. student had to sign that. I feel that though, because that was one of the interesting things about the the grade I grew up with or whatever is my boys, you know, on the football team and kind of the stud athletes, so to speak, is like we didn't we didn't party really in high school. We didn't do any yeah. of that. And it's what? funny it's funny how that all started is I think I told you beforehand is I got caught freshman year, not how everything started, but how it at least started for me. Because I got caught freshman year smoking a cigar. Yeah. And my dad thought it was a blunt. And he just... Why did he think that? Just because it was... Because it was a, you know, half a megapixel camera that he caught me on. <laughs> yeah. On a flip phone. And, and I'm how like... Did, how did he see this video? Well, because so I had lied to my parents about like sneaking out and going to a friend's house. That I said I wasn't going to and this and that. And I thought I had covered my tracks. Well, apparently they found this video in like my deleted folder. I don't even remember how they found the video, but like, I was like, I thought I was good. And I'm just lying my face off at the time as okay. a fresh, as a freshman. Jeez. And, then, and then my, my dad finds the video and he looks at me and he's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I, I think it was an open hand, uh, slap you know uh-huh. a little bit of discipline mm-hmm. i don't recall exactly there was a slight blackout kind of a coming to moment <laughs> yes and then i wake up to my mom on the phone with like scott cross saying just pretty much telling him and telling him what happened and getting me in trouble so i was suspended for the next three weeks Ooh. yeah and it was like the last two weeks of basketball season, so it carried over into baseball season. So I had to nice. sit a week out of baseball as well and face that with the baseball coach and the baseball team. And that had just humbled me enough to, I don't ever want to go through this embarrassment again. Huh. And even though, even though it was the worst thing at the time, because I'm like, gosh, my mom's snitching on me. My dad just beat the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, it's like, this sucks. This is such a low point. At the same time, it was like, well, don't want any more of that. So I'm going to find other ways to, like, have fun and, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And, well, and I was and raised by a, a single single mom. And so my whole thing was I just didn't want to do anything that would make her life harder. Right. You know what I mean? So it's right. like doing that kind of stuff and like getting putting myself in positions where I might get in trouble would I could see how hard she was already working to support me and like you know that it was like I I don't want to do anything that would make this worse so I pretty much stayed out of trouble but there's that reason there's kind of something awesome to that in and of itself because there's plenty of people that grow up in tough situations and they you know, they kind of deflect or they go the opposite way because they have it tough that they feel like they got to, you know, they got to run away or they got to do something to prove themselves instead of that ends up making their mom's life harder, their dad's life harder, whomever it may be, you know. So I think that's kind of awesome that you kind of turned in and was like, eh, I see how tough she's got it. I don't want to make it any tougher. That's kind of it's kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah. Yeah, one I guess kept me out of trouble too, so I guess that's good. But yeah, yeah. double whammy. Do you grow uh, up in Salem? Uh, no, I was born in Hawaii, grew up in Beaverton. Hawaii. Well, actually, actually, I grew up in Malala, and then we moved to Beaverton when I was in fifth grade. So, uh, okay, 
yeah. feel that. Yeah. Um, okay, so you go to OSU, mm-hmm. graduate there, and then somehow end up in Buenos Aires. Yeah. Okay, so take me through what happens after college. Yeah. So when I'm kind of wrapping up college, I'm living with my boy Alex, who I played football with. We were best buddies in high school and college, and he has a, a Spanish minor at Western, and he wants to do a, a trip after college to you know kind of become fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of planning this backpacking trip through Europe, and so we come together just a meeting of the minds, which you'll, you'll get that joke soon. Enough yeah. Okay. All right. How, how dumb we are. Um, but no, we, we kind of just come together and we're like, Hey, how about we kind of combine our trips and you feel a little, a little safer for better or worse. Sure. So we, so we end up going to Rio for three months. Wow. Li- living in Rio de Janeiro, which was hilarious and awesome. Cause we got this little studio apartment in Copacabana up on this enormous hill. And I kind of describe it as, you know, it's Southern California. It's really relaxed beach vibes. You know, everyone just kind of goes to the beach to get away. There's not a ton of great infrastructure. There's definitely a lot of poverty, but we're also like B list celebrities cause we're both pretty big. He was a linebacker. I was working out with him a lot at the time, white guys, and there's not a lot of white guys around. Hmm. So when we went out on weekends, it was almost like we were famous. And if we weren't famous, we felt like we were because people were looking at us like, what are these whiteies doing over here? Yeah. Now, let me let me ask this question, too, because if Homeboy had a Spanish minor and he was trying to become fluent, if you go to Rio <laughs> to start the trip, they speak Portuguese. So the reason for there is actually a good reason for that because okay. it sounds, okay. it, sounds like, it sounds really hmm. dumb at face value. Um, it was just after 2016 where the Olympics were there, okay, and so there was like an open, not open border, but you could travel from the U.S. to Rio without having to apply for a visa. So we could hmm. stay for three months without having to apply for a visa just because the Olympics had just been there. Okay. So we're like, oh, we should take advantage of this Olympic visa or whatever while we can. Also, Brazilian chicks, super hot. So okay. that, 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 All right. that was also part of the equation. Okay. <laughs> so we'll put we'll put the immersion program on hold for three months. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Exactly. Makes sense. So after three months, I mean less than three months, we were getting kind of tired. Um you know, it was fun. We had a lot, we have a lot of good friends there, but it was mostly just going to the beach and bodyboarding and playing volleyball. And, but over there they play volleyball with their feet because they're just such soccer fanatics, football fanatics, mm-hmm. and everyone is so good at it. So we couldn't even really play with, we couldn't play athletics with them. I'll Did put you it try that way. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at all while you were down there? I wish I had, I had, I didn't. Um, You're but in yeah. the birthplace of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and then just meh. Yeah, just totally squander that opportunity. Okay, there was a cool. there was a there was a slight depression factor that I didn't realize at the time, but we'll get to that here in Buenos Aires. Okay. And <laughs> All right. So we so we hop over to Buenos. <laughs> the so next step over. on the on the journey, <laughs> crippling depression. 
Exactly. Okay, cool. Well, and that was part of it is like I wasn't talking to my family a whole lot, which family has always been a big part of my life. And I wasn't even talking to my friends a whole lot. Like I wanted everyone to leave me alone. And I was on this journey and just like, let me do my thing. Hmm. And that was kind of where I was at at the time. Yeah. But then we pop over to Buenos Aires and it's like, I think of it more as like New York city of the South Hmm. is a, is a good metaphor. Cause it's like city, it's city life. Like when we got to Buenos Aires, I was one of the darkest skinned people there because because um, of my Portuguese heritage or what have you, I got I soaked up the sun in Rio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so everyone's walking up to me just spitting Spanish a thousand miles an hour. And I'm like, hey, 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 mas despacio, por favor. Mm-hmm. Like, slow, mm-hmm. slow that down a little bit. I need right. <laughs> I might look like I can speak Spanish, but I, I cannot speak very well. I now, did you basic. become fluent? Sorry, I might be jumping ahead in the story, but I just curious. No, did you... not at all. No, okay. Um, I'm saying you're not at all jumping ahead. And oh, I and I did not at all become fluent. Either. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So that answered both questions. Thanks. Yeah, I took four years back in high school, but you know, you just kind of you kind of find your way to get good grades without really learning the language and immersing yeah. yourself in it. Yeah. Oh, and that was kind of my thing all through school. Is I was good at, I was good at getting good grades, but I wasn't great at learning. Yeah. to a degree and that was something i had to change once i got to the real world is like whoa you can't just be good at good at getting good grades and real life jobs like you gotta you gotta learn you gotta actually learn this stuff yeah so you I'm actually have Bu- to have skills <laughs> right yeah so so i'm in buenos aires with alex and we're living in the city and yeah i mean eventually you were like five months into the trip four and a half months into the trip and I start to have like a mental breakdown in a way. Okay. And what does that, that, what does that look like? And did something like bring it on or did it come out of left field? You had no idea what was happening. I guess kind of, kind of both like me and Alex, we had like, we had hit a rough spot in our friendship where we had spent a ton, ton of time together. And we yeah. just kind of think, uh, I think we we're both get you know needing some some me time, especially sure. you know we lived in a studio in Rio together. Right. Like n- neither of us had personal space, which we were good enough boys that we were cool. But eventually, I think that tends to take a toll. And then I think the bigger factor, at least, um, bigger factor for me is that I had worked since I was 15 years old, and I had had school since you know you're a little kid, so all of a sudden I'm 22 and I'm not going to school and I don't really have a job Mm -hmm. and I'm starting to go crazy (laughs) Yeah, because I got 65, $70,000 of student loan debt and, uh, uh, you know, uh, three years left on my car payment and credit card debt from traveling South America. And I'm like, damn, I'm not, I'm not really doing anything about it. I'm kind of living in, in fairy tale land right here thinking I can just travel and do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that was when I like thought of this idea to, to start building websites and programming more because of my, my degree, I could program sure. and I just, I just need to learn more. And so I was doing that and then I was starting to get a, a, a feedback mechanism or this echo chamber of, 
of learning and it's exciting, you know, and it, and it starts to build its own thing of like, Oh, I'm starting to get good at something. I'm starting to be able to build websites. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this sounds positive. <laughs> right. But, um, I was kind of detached from, from reality in a way of like, I don't know. I thought I had it all figured out. I was like, Oh, I get it. I'm going to build websites and I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to make a bunch of money because I'm going to help people build websites and I'm going to do my podcast and everything's good. Okay. But, but I wasn't, but like I wasn't really making any money. I was talking to some cool people and like, like I showed you, I was doing a, like I did a, I did a cool podcast or my first podcast guest was this, you know, Emmy award winning writer of the Simpsons and you know, I thought I couldn't lose, <laughs> but at the same time, like I wasn't really doing anything, you know, like I yeah. didn't really have any sales or I didn't really have a business. It was just watching enough Gary V videos that I thought I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. That brings up a couple questions. One, did you actually build websites for people and they just never paid you for it? Kind of in a way. So like I had built, I had built my own personal one and I was, my idea at the time was like, you should give your best ideas away for free. Yeah. Gary V 101. So exactly. So I was like reaching out to a bunch of people and I was like making edits to their websites and sending it to them. I mean, uh-huh. like, you should do something like this. Hmm. This is a good marketing idea. Um, and then same thing for comedy. I was like, you should, make a joke about this in your show or you should have this plot line and like just doing a bunch of stuff like that. Hmm. And some people people, were, yeah. Were people like offended by that at all? Like, Hey, who's this clown telling me how to write a joke? I don't know. Like I was just in a, I was in a spot where I didn't, and I didn't care, which, which again seems positive where it was like, I was totally out of tune with other people's feelings where it was like, I was just sending ideas off and telling people what I thought about them. Hmm. And, um, you know, reaching out to, I was talking to my family every day and like doing all this stuff, um, which felt good. And I think it was really good, but it was just that little bit of, uh, of not goodness, <laughs> that little bit of detachment where I actually like, since that point, I've been striving to kind of get back to that same energy of excitement for life and excitement for work, but with, a with a filter of maturity I think would be the way to put it. Hmm. Okay. So I'm still, I guess I'm still kind of confused what ha- what's going on. So you're in Buenos Aires. You're like making edits, sending jokes off, not really making any money. So, and then you kind of said, yeah, you know, I was watching too much Gary V. So are you out on Gary V or what's your stance on him right now? And then we'll get back to sort of what's going on with you. Oh, no, I think I think he's awesome. I think I was just a, I think one of <laughs> one of his great quotes, a, a entrepreneur, yeah. just because just because people were listening to me and I was being useful and things like that. I thought I was and I, I guess I was doing something in a way. Yeah, but I wasn't. I, but I wasn't. um you know, the things that kind of pushed me there debt, I wasn't doing anything to really progress on those. So I was just, and it seems like that's kind of the, the blueprint he lays out is like do stuff for free and then monetize those skills. Like, it seems like you just, like you were at the doorstep. Why don't you just keep going? 
I guess I guess you're right. That is possible. Um, but then it, it finally got to a, a spot where, like, I just wasn't being a good friend to Alex, and uh, and so we decided to go our separate ways. Where he was going to continue on the trip, and I was going to come home. Okay. And then I and then I come home to Salem, and I'm like, I got to hit the real world, you know, like we're back to real life. I'm living at my parents' place out back in the little, the little shed I converted into a house. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I spent 60 plus thousand dollars on a degree. I need to put it to use and I'm not making any money doing this website thing. I gotta, I need something faster. I need something, you know, Hmm. something real. And so I started looking for a job. So was the, sorry, was the mm -hmm, breakdown, Was the breakdown caused by the anxiety from the debt? Was that sort of what was driving the? I think I think so. I think it was the debt, but the debt is also like a a symbol of something greater, of just like doing something with your life, and that's a classic Tony Robbins concept of just like massive action. Is I had no action in my life. My action was was like pleasure was going to the beach and talking to girls and going out and dancing and drinking. And okay. So and, you weren't just building websites. I had this picture in my mind of you like building websites and I'm like, well, well, well I, I got to that point, but I'm saying before that, like in Rio and the okay. first month and the first month of playing Cyrus or whatever, like I was just going out and having fun. And I thought, you know, life is about avoiding responsibility and having fun. And mm-hmm. that was actually, it was like a mixture of, of debt and avoiding responsibility and then starting to listen to Jordan Peterson Mm -hmm. and hear him talk about the meaning of life is, is shouldering responsibility Hmm. and like, and like finding your potential and, and coming into your potential. So it's like, okay, if I'm, if I have the potential to get a, you know, an, an engineering degree and I, and I know these projects that I've done in the past, like, what am I doing fucking around right now? Like mm-hmm. I need to, I need to start doing, I need to start doing something with my life. Cause, cause this has kind of been meaningless up to this point and it's been fun. And it's the, again, another Jordan Peterson concept of expedient pleasure versus like sacrifice for the future. And so I'm starting to hear him talk about discipline and sacrifice now for the greater good in the future. And that was when I was like, okay, that was when I started spending all my time kind of kind of listening to audiobooks and reading and trying to just i guess the the idea of investing in yourself I was like okay if i'm gonna if i'm gonna stop wasting my time on all this stuff that doesn't make a better me tomorrow and mm-hmm. start doing the stuff that does make a better me tomorrow so i was working out really hard i was eating well i was you know it was the self-care concepts but then i was also drinking nine pots of coffee a day and just so I could spend time on Udemy that was where that was my uh, website building class was on Udemy and I was learning how to program JavaScript and HTML and and uh, and to get it done and (laughs) that's what I did and it I don't know it was surprisingly successful I guess but again successful in that I enjoyed it and I was excited but not successful in a in a monetary way so Mm -hmm. I don't know I I guess it depends on your your definition of success in that regard Hmm. 
Well, I just wonder if maybe you quit a little too early on that. You know what I mean? I I think so. I think uh, there's still definitely a part of me because my idea or the concept at the time was like a digital nomad mm. where is like if you have an internet connection and you're able to provide value with that internet connection, whether it's marketing or building websites, programming, whatever it may be, right. then then you can become a digital nomad. You can live anywhere right. and, and, and you can live. And that's out there. There's plenty of people doing that. So I, And plenty of people who are not as smart or as skilled as you, too. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like that could have happened. And I think it's. I think it still can. I. St- mm-hmm. I guess I still hold hope for it. But I now, guess are my- you working towards that, or because I mean, you're you're doing the sales job, and you have like I don't know. Is this still something that you would want to do, or you're you're still heading in that direction, or what's going on? Not as much. I guess not as much as I would hope. Um, I'm not super driven on that path where my goal right now, my primary goal is getting out of debt. Okay. Which is student loan debt primarily. Um, and I, but I also enjoy what I do on a day to day basis. Like it's a sales job, but I get to work with the cutting edge technology companies and to help them on the projects and the latest and greatest technology that is being developed as far as, phones and routers and 5g and yada 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 mm-hmm. um autonomous cars but i don't know there's there's definitely uh there's part of me that knows i won't be totally fulfilled until i take a risk and do my own thing i guess so to speak hmm. you know okay. what i mean yeah i feel like i feel like you kind of you kind of have part of that in you yeah i do but it's it still plays itself out differently, you know? I mean, because I did run my own business for six years, so I I don't know. I guess I just have, like, the way some of the things that you're describing, like, I just see them differently than you. How so? Well, like, this whole thing, like, you were like, I was learning all this stuff. Like, I'm like, okay, well, cool, keep going. Like, eventually, that you you can monetize that at some point, you know? I like what you're talking like I mean I do think one of the things I think with the the information age being this I mean it's like the industrial revolution you know Andrew Yang calls it the fourth industrial revolution but in this time information is a commodity and so your ability to learn new things faster than other people is you know like one of the biggest advantages you can have so I think it's awesome that you were like learning to code and I mean I think all of that is like if you can take a skill and learn it faster than other people, you could use it to monetize it if you wanted to. And you were right. Like with, if you have an internet connection, you could make money. I mean, that was the four hour work week. I mean, Tim Ferriss wrote that in like 2007, I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was the blueprint of like, how do you become, you know, a digital nomad? Like you were saying, like that was basically what he was saying. This is how you do it. If you want to, have the freedom to go where you want to go. This is how you do it. And I, I read that around that time too. I just didn't, uh, I didn't understand it. My, my thinking was still too narrow to understand what he was really talking about there, but yeah. Hmm. 
anyway, I don't know. I'm, I, I have a lot I'm going through my mind right now as I'm thinking about what's going on. But it is interesting. You know what I think stopped me from it all, hmm. and still and still keeps me from it. What's that? Comfort. I think there's a there's a a safety net in a way to having a corporate job where I know I'm going to get X amount of salary every year and I get my health insurance and, and I can, you know, there, there's a safety net there. Whereas like if you want to be a digital nomad or a entrepreneur or a contractor or consultant or whatever it may be, you one got to know your shit and bring Mm -hmm. value. And you know, if, if you can bring value for sure, then you have to go find those customers and, and you're constant, you know, it's the hustle. Which yeah. I which I love, and I think a lot of people want to love, but you know it's not comfortable <laughs> by any means. It's never comfortable for sure. I do think you can do it smarter though, so it's not so much of a risk. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how many hours you're working now, but like, could you commit ten hours a week to starting to build whatever your side hustle is going to be that you would want to turn into? a monetization thing at some point you know what i mean like i still think you can like prep and prepare and start building that while you have the comfort and the security but the problem is that most people don't want to spend that extra time doing that i i think it's that well and you're you're spot on where the best time you know it's like the idea of the best time to look for a new job is while you have a job yeah. the best time to start a business is while you have an income and you yes. don't have to put all your eggs in one basket yes but uh, i don't know at the, i i think that's the right way but then part of me thinks you have to have that hunger and that need a little to really dive in on a business i guess different there's a spectrum and different strokes for different folks because you make a really good you make a compelling argument it's like you know if, if this is the life you want just spend five hours a week ten hours a week you know that's less than two hours a day yeah towards this project that you you think is your your life or that you need to work towards but what that requires is changing your habits for sure and I think that's that's the tough one for for me at least because I think most folks are a creature of habit and you get in these comfortable habits of like oh I worked all day I deserve a beer Oh, and I had a beer. Now I need dinner. And now I had dinner, and I want to watch TV. And now I'm done watching TV, and I want to go to bed. Right. And I and I wake up, and I get ready. And now now it's time for work. And now I'm done with work, and I want a beer. And now I got my mm-hmm. beer, and I want you know what I mean. And and rinse and repeat. And that's well. Now it's the weekend. I'm so tired from the work week. I would just wanna, I just want to relax. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but that's that, I mean that's that, the struggle, right? Like I mean. You have to be willing to do the stuff that other people don't want to do. Exactly, you do, and you have to, and you have to recognize those patterns in yourself. For sure, definitely. definitely. That's a, that's a hard one. It's like it's easy, <laughs> it's easy to see bad patterns in other people, seeing bad patterns in <laughs> yourself, and having that conversation with yourself. Ooh. That's not a fun one. Yeah. I always <laughs> feel like it. I'm a much better consultant for other people than for myself. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right. I can help other people figure out their problems way. I'm good at that. Figuring out my own problems, total shit show. So, 
like, <laughs> hey, bro, bro, your life will be so much better if you just, you know, eat better and work out and mm-hmm. do stuff that's good for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, go see a doctor about this. And then it's like, you know, hey, Brian, have you seen the doctor? Nah, I don't need to yeah, see yeah, the doctor. Nah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. I'm fine. Fine. Uh, rub some dirt on it. Yep. yep. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. I All hate right, so- I hate. This happens every time to me, but I can easily bring this back to a Jordan Peterson concept, too, of treat yourself like someone you're responsible for caring for. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, (laughs) principle two. I started the book. I started the book, and I got, like, 75 pages into it, and I was like, okay, I need to circle back to this when I'm in, like, a better – I'm not as distracted. I had a lot going on at that point, so it's still – Dude, the book is hard to get through because it's so – Dense. It's so dense. That's yeah. why I went. I went audiobook way better because he even mm. reads the audiobook, which I appreciate. Okay, that might be that might be the way I have to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it was it was tough, and I was like, man, there's so much in here, and like, I'm having to reread stuff to try to be like, okay, what what do Dude, how do I feel I, about I, this? And I felt like I didn't know how to read when I tried to read that book because I got okay, the good. Copy I'm glad too, it's not just I'm me. Like, I'm like reading through it and I'm like, oh, I got to read this line three times okay. just to try and digest what it says. And even yeah. then I'm like, uh, I should just move on. And yeah. n- now it's taking me 10 minutes to read three pages. And exactly. Feel, and that's kind of discouraging because like that dummy. book is thick anyway. You're like, fuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Audible. Way to go. Okay. All right. Um, speaking of books, podcasts, like, I, first of all, I kind of have a two two prong question one like what are some books or podcasts you have read recently that you would recommend you're like hey this is really good this is really good and it can even be guilty pleasure stuff like uh um i was did a interview with the mental health counselor she was like do you like the office i'm like yeah she told me about office ladies podcast freaking awesome but like um so yeah so that's the first part and then Let's start there. So give me some podcast books, something, some recommendations that you would have, stuff you've consumed over the last little bit that you liked. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, my podcast game is kind of boring. Like, it's the it's the heavy hitters like Joe Rogan and mm-hmm. Bill Burr and Joey Diaz and Burt Kreischer. And the Bill Burt podcast is hilarious. Two Bears, One Cave, mm-hmm. hilarious. Interesting. Is, so you're, is, you're in that. See, okay, do you listen to Bill Simmons, sports guy? I don't. I okay. love sports. You know, that's a weird thing with me and sports is like sports were my life until yeah. I was eight, 18, probably till 20, you know, and through college. And then as soon as I got out of college and I like went to South America, I kind of just got disconnected a little. Okay. Yeah. Where, I'm not into sports at all, honestly, anymore. Like I don't really like it, but it's weird. It's weird how that happens though, isn't it? Of, like, yeah, for sure. Your whole life, all of a sudden you're like, I look at the MLB, which I used to know every major pitcher and heavy hitter, and I'm like, who the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy? He's a Cy Young winner, you know? Yeah. Like I've never even heard of yeah. him before. Yeah, but I like <laughs> the sports guy because he talks pop culture too. So That's, Bill Simmons is like the baby blue eyes. Looks, it's like yep. the first time you heard the Beatles. That guy. Yep, that's the guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I like him a lot, but they, he does spend. He talks a lot of sports, which is hard for me because. That's not really what I'm into, but it's almost kind of like uh, the Impractical Jokers, where I feel like I know that I know him, so I'm like invested right. in what he's doing. So you know who cracks me up with the sports talk is uh, Michael Rapaport. Dude, so good. <laughs> hey, have you seen Atypical? 
No, on I Netflix, he's uh, he's the dad in Atypical, and he's I love Michael Rappaport. He's he's so amazing. funny. <laughs> yes, but books, um, I guess, uh, again, it kind of it kind of deviates from Joe Rogan a little bit. Where I love Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life. Mm-hmm. I was listening to David David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. That's okay. just a good that's just a good motivational one where it's kind of hardcore. You got to be ready for, you know. David Goggins, who's just yes. an intense, intense dude, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But then there's some good stuff, like uh, my brother recommended one to me called When Breath Becomes Air. Okay. And that was one that, like, almost him and Jordan, that book and Jordan Peterson kind of restored my faith a little bit. Interesting. Where, you know, I was into young life in high school, but then I was also in really into science and physics. And so I kind of drifted, you know, kind of drifted from the faith. And then I go to college and I'm studying electrical engineering. So I'm kind of drifting from the faith with just all the science and I don't know, just how college was on me, I guess. And, you know, it's my own doing in a way. Mm-hmm. But then I, I read that, I read that book when breath becomes air and I, I start getting into Jordan Peterson and I'm like, Oh, maybe I was just kind of, kind of ignorant or i don't know maybe maybe is i was just approaching it the wrong way when and and that just kind of brought me back a little bit those two hmm who wrote that when breath becomes air no idea okay you get the title i mean that's good enough i noticed that when you were talking podcasts one that you didn't mention being on the list was little pod that could so um i am offended but you know it is what it is you know it's 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 I've listened to it more than any other podcast that I've listened or that I listed recently. So well, that's good. Okay, all right, it's, we're, it's, we're making headway. It's on there. It's a little and you listen to some of the cringy Game of Thrones ones. Shout out to Nick for helping me with those pods. But I mean, I had no idea what I was doing at that point. I mean, I still don't really know what I'm doing, but. I at least have a better idea of what I'm doing than I did then. I cannot. I was like embarrassed that you said you listened to those. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, but then then I shared the the Mike Price podcast that I did with you and yeah, you I'm kinda... not bringing it up. You you're bringing that up. I, oh I, yeah. I made a little inside joke that no one would know about. <laughs> you're bringing it up again. I didn't say anything. Yeah, you know sometimes you gotta you gotta bring it up where it it levels the playing field of like oh. This guy really doesn't know what he's doing, but I'm excited to start, and I'm excited to try stand up for the first time. Yeah, so let's talk about that because I was excited. So I, I mean, I immediately sent you bits. Like I have had a list in my phone of bits that I've been thinking about for at least two years. I bet. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, I was, but like it's weird because. The idea of doing an open mic is super scary. And it takes, I felt like I needed someone else to be like, okay, I'll do this too, you know? And yeah. no one else that I hang out with thought that would be fun. You I know? feel like it's got to be one of the scariest things. For sure. Because, I mean, it's it's a it's a known thing that public speaking is one of the scariest things. See, and then... I don't mind public <laughs> speaking, though. But the Me idea either. of trying to get up and be funny... That's that's, that's different. I was at a work thing last week or two weeks ago where I was given a presentation and I thought I had some slam dunk jokes. Like in my oh, no. in my PowerPoint presentation, I had 
of Ron Burgundy. I'm kind of a big deal joke. I had okay. I had I had a another Will Ferrell. I need some more cowbell with the uh, what's his name? The Christopher guy Walken. The guy that talks like this. Yeah, Christopher yeah. Walken. Chris, Christopher Walken. Yeah. I had a Christopher Walken. Will Ferrell. Need more cowbell joke. That was an incredible walking impression too, by the way. <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten high compliments on that. <laughs> can you do that on command? So if I was like, "Hey, do walking again," you just bust it I out. I can do walking again. Okay, <laughs> all right, okay, all right. So anyway, so you have these PowerPoint. I get you distracted. You start telling a the story, then I ask you some random question about whatever. Okay, I'm gonna try to stay focused. So you have these. You have a couple Will Ferrell jokes in the PowerPoint. Zero laughs. Dang. Nothing. The it's crowd, just uncomfortable. There's, there's 30 to 35 people in the room each time. All salespeople. So they're all like around our age and like extroverted to some extent. Dang, they're your of, age too, so they're in the demo. You would think. Oh, man. And I just I just fall flat on my face and I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep keep on chugging here. But the did you say? Did you acknowledge it? Did you acknowledge like, hey, that totally bombed? That was my saving grace, is I was able to make a joke about nobody laughing at my jokes because the the one that hurt the most is I have like pretty thin hair up top. (laughs) Okay, and so I make a joke about how you know the one the one annoying thing about this product is like my hair; it takes too long, or something like that about how. I'm a pretty boy, and I take a, a long time on my hair in the morning. Zero laughs on that as well. I'm Damn. like, all right, just going to keep chugging along here. Wow. And just just totally ate a bag of dicks in I can, of all of I can beat that story, actually, though. <laughs> Let's hear it. Please do. Well, I didn't really want to. I, mean, I just told you I could beat it. I don't really need to tell you the story. But so, but all I guess all of that to say is... I now feel like I understand a little greater why uh, open mics are intimidating, but I don't know. I'm still yeah. excited to try it for the first time because I didn't even, you know, I had been wanting to try comedy for two years, not even really, eh, probably a year and a half, not even really working on bits, which goes back to our, our point of uh, just putting a little time in each week and changing your habits to yeah. align with align with your ultimate goals. But how I wrote my first bit was a float tank, which is the most Joe Rogan story I've ever heard. Yeah, life. right? Seriously. You're basically <laughs> like Rogan 2.0 right here. I've, I've been called that. I've been called that. Hmm, okay. All right. <laughs> no, I wish. He's just, he's one of the coolest people ever. Yeah. But again, one of the beautiful things about it is if you listen to him 10, 20 years ago, you're like, wow, I don't even know if I like this guy. it's interesting because i have been listening to his pod for about 10 years and i i don't think what why do you think you would have not liked him 10 years ago i guess i guess the reason is because like i listened to him on the howard stern show 10 years ago recently Mm. and i was like huh this is a totally different dude like the stuff that i love about him today isn't existent back then and i'm not judging him I'm not judging him for it because I know that me two, four, six years ago was also kind of a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So 
I'm not saying anything along those lines. But and so maybe I guess I didn't get that because I was listening to the pot. That was the only way I was consuming him. So oh. if he was being douchey outside on other side, I wouldn't have known because I didn't. I was just listening to the pod. Yeah, yeah, and I don't huh. think he was. I don't think he was super douchey. I just think it was a. He was in a tough situation and trying to hold his own. But uh, <laughs> I guess how it came up is I had this chick. I was at a, my local tap house in Phoenix, and this lady was like, she was with her boyfriend, and I was chit chatting with them, and we were joking around, having a good time. And I and I met. Oh, I went. I had saw Rogan the night before live. Oh, okay. And it was one of the funniest things. It was probably the funniest experience I've ever had in my life. Hmm. He was that good. It was just amazing. So I saw him in Portland a couple of years ago, and I thought he was funny. But, I mean, I saw Joey Diaz a couple months later, and I thought he was way funnier. But oh, Gosh, I, I wish I could see Joey live. I haven't seen him yet. Um, okay. But, yeah, Joe. maybe Joe was just on his game this night or whatever but yeah this was probably two months ago yeah it was i think it was in early december or late november okay and he just smashes it and tony hinchcliffe opens and he crushes it mm-hmm. and it was just a it was a, it was an awesome night and so then you know the next night or two nights later i'm at my local tap house and i'm talking to this couple and the guy totally gets it i can tell he's a joe rogan fan and the lady goes, and she's kind of, she's like a, she kind of wears the pants in this relationship, I can tell. And she's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Joe Rogan's a misogynist. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, um, well, what do you mean? And she's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Have you listened to his stuff? So I say, yeah, I, you know, I listened to quite a bit of his stuff. Could you like give me an example? Oh gosh, well just you know, just pick a just pick a podcast. I can't believe the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 I kinda I kinda hear what you're saying. He kinda gives off that vibe, but could you could you give me an example? And she just won't get specific because right. she has she has no examples. Yeah. And, but it you know, it, it sparks me at the time to look up some of his older stuff and I'm like, eh, you know, he he was a guy and he yeah. didn't you know, he wasn't as mature and empathetic and had kids as, as he does now. But I still thought it was funny at the time. I was like, well, you don't, you don't really have anything to back up what you're saying. That's yeah. Can you give That's... me one example? <laughs> Just one. <laughs> you're right. Where I was, I was totally open to hearing what she had to say, but you know, you gotta kind of have something to back up what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So now, hmm. so what you said, you had like something you wanted to talk about, like on the pod, like you were, you had a project. So first of all, what are we doing with this open mic thing before we get into what your, your, your project is? Are we doing this? Like, are we setting a time frame on this? Like, I kind of want to bounce my ideas off of you first before I actually start developing the bits to see like if you even think they're funny. No, I'm definitely down for that. Okay, and I think it's good to put a time frame on it too. Yeah, where, I don't know. You get, we got to be accountable to something. So right. being accountable, being accountable to each other is good because that'll actually because I've had the bits for a little while now. And you've had Me the too. bits for longer than I have. And now we're so now it's being recorded, so we're putting it out to the universe. So we're doing so. What? Let's get some kind of time frame. You tell me. 
I don't know. I feel like I need I need a couple months because I want to first of all like say okay, like explain the bits that I have on there. Maybe mm-hmm. pick like two or three and then like further develop them and then like practice them a couple times and then do it. Yeah, I agree. I don't even I don't even know the local open mics that I got to go. Maybe it's like summerish. Okay, summer. Like June-ish? June-ish. So by July 1st, we're going to do our first open mic. Okay. All right. It's it's documented. <sighs> okay. Pretty nervous. That's rough. Yeah, but I don't know. You got to do it. You got to do it. Because if, yeah. if, if nothing else, it's going to make us better people. Yeah. Right? It's I mean, gonna... hopefully we don't end up like your PowerPoint presentation. That's the only... If we can be <laughs> better than that, then we'll be good. But you know what? That PowerPoint hmm. presentation made me a better person. I mean, Cause... did it though? Yeah, because I thought I was funny. It's true. <laughs> That's true. I've had multiple people tell me recently that I'm not funny. So right. when you get it, When you get a direct you're not funny that's a that's a that's a it's like even like people that like me too i'm like hey do you think i'm funny and they're like no not really i'm like okay (laughs) all right okay (laughs) i mean it's good that you're honest i guess but wow okay because i really think i'm funny like i i really have thought that my whole life but um apparently i'm I'm not very self-aware i guess i'm one of i'm one of the funniest people i know it's. I thought that too, but it's really apparently not the case. I'm like, oh, hmm. okay. Um, and then the next best, the next best thing to tell those people is like, ah, well, that's great. I kind of want to be a comedian. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was thinking about doing an open mic. Like, Oof, yikes. <laughs> Just tell me where you're going, so I'm not, I'm not there. Because yeah, right. Cause, uh, you're not funny. So. Do you want to hear my embarrassing story that beats your your PowerPoint presentation? I would love to hear that. <sighs> okay. This has never been on on any kind of it's never been recorded before. I have told this story numerous times, but never where it's actually documented for the history of all mankind. When I was in seventh grade, it's a long time ago. Uh, I was in middle school and it was like seven, eight, nine. So we were like the youngest. That's how our high school or how our middle school was. And <laughs> it's a long, it's kind of a long setup. I don't know. Should I tell the story right now? It's a long, kind of a long. Yeah. Those are the best stories. There's lots of pieces to it. So, okay. So the first thing is. I can tell you how not funny you are while you tell. Okay, good. It's good. There's going to be plenty <laughs> of awkward, not funny moments. But so in seventh grade, I went to my friend's bar mitzvah. While we were there, this was at like this was in the two week time when Vanilla Ice was really hot. Like, <laughs> there was it was only two weeks, but like when he was hot, it was like everyone in the Jewish was, community, not just in the Jewish community. Like Ice Ice Baby was like a phenomenon. So I did a lip sync at the bar mitzvah to Ice Ice Baby and crushed. I mean, just crushed. I had dancers that I didn't know, like they just were dancing while I was lip syncing and it was legit like people were like that was so dope like I was the hero of of the bar mitzvah 
It was it was sick. So I was like, you know, I'm <laughs> feeling good. I wish I could hear someone grade. else's perspective from the bar mitzvah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm telling sure you, people you. at the bar mitzvah were they were into it. Like, I, it was, it was, Every, it was a good scene. This, everyone at this bar mitzvah remembers you lip syncing "Ice Ice Baby" as well. Yes, I will okay. tell you that. I this is true. I people were like the next day at school, or like it was probably on a Saturday. The, when we went back to school, people were like, "Dude, that was so dope!" Blah blah blah. Yeah. Like, uh, but literally like a week later, then Vanilla Ice became not cool, right? So this teacher came up to me in the hallway and said, hey, I heard you did this really great lip sync at this bar mitzvah. See, so there, social proof that somehow this the word had gotten out that this was awesome that I did this. So she if said, the teacher we, knows that is some serious business. Right? I mean, a teacher asked me, just stop me. I didn't tell anybody about it. She approached me. So anyway, she said, we have this assembly coming up. It's for winter sports athletes. I was wondering if you would want to perform that at the assembly. So now this is, you know, like I said, Vanilla Ice is no longer cool. So I was like, well, we can't really do that. You know, I said, that song's not cool anymore. <laughs> and so she says, well, I don't really care. Like, you just do whatever, do whatever you want. So I'm like, okay, cool. So there was a song at the time by this artist named Candyman. Mm-hmm. And he had a song called Knockin' Boots. Now, this <laughs> song was about exactly what it sounds like. So I recruit a bunch of my friends, and we have a couple girls dancing too, and we're like, we we create this whole scene, this whole like dance to Candyman Knockin' Boots, right? And I mean, he says things like knocking on the waterbed. Like, I mean, there's definitely references. Like, you can tell the song is about sex, right? Like, I mean, it's really clear. So we have this whole routine down. Like, it's just amazing. There's some flips in it. There's the running man. There's a bunch of stuff happening that are, at the time, cool for seventh graders. So we we practice a couple times, take a couple weekends. We got it down. We're ready to go. And the day before or two days before they we do it, the vice principal says, hey, I want to see it. We're like, all right, cool. So we play the song for her. <laughs> we do the dance. She's like, hey, that was fantastic. No, see you in a couple days. Huh? <laughs> she signs off. On she signs off. Boots. She signs off. We're like, done. So the <laughs> next day, now I go to, so, sorry, before the next day. So that night, we do it for the vice principal. That night, I go to the MC Hammer concert at the... Uh, Coliseum and I see MC Hammer and he's you know it's incredible he's got like 70 dancers and this major show and back when you can't touch this and it was this huge thing so anyway so that becomes important to the story later so the next day I go back to school and the principal says hey I want to see this dance too so probably what happens the vice principal told the principal hey we can't do this but you have to be the bad guy <laughs> so we do it for him too he says yeah, I don't think that song's going to work. And we're like, well, what do you mean? Like, play, totally playing stupid. And I don't say anything because I'm like nervous little sixth grader. But one of my friends is like, what, what's the problem? He's like, well, the song sounds like it's, he's like, what's the song about? And my friend says, what's well, about dancing? <laughs> and he says, mm, it sounds more like it's about something other than dancing. 
And he's like, no, like knocking boots. Like, you know, like you're, you know, you're kicking your heels together. And so when you're dancing, he's like totally trying to play. And we're all just like, oh man, this is definitely not going to work. So he says, well, he says something about knocking on the waterbed. And he's like, well, yeah, did you ever dance in your waterbed before? So he says, yeah, sorry, you're not going to be able to do that song. So we're like, all right, cool. No big deal. And he says, no, 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 no. I want you still to do your thing. I just don't want you to use that song. Now, our whole routine, including when this girl comes out in the middle of our circle and we all like gyrate around her, is built around that song. So I'm like, and everyone's like, wait, we we can't like just, we've been practicing for this one song the entire time. Like we can't just switch the song, right? Now me, what did I do last night? I went and saw MC Hammer. So in my mind, I'm thinking, we'll just recreate that. We'll just do what MC <laughs> Hammer did. It'll be fine. Easy. So I say, I say to them, I said, let's just do, you can't touch this. And they're like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, listen, it'll be fine. We'll just do, you can't touch this. I'll bring that tape instead of the other one. We'll just do the same dance. Like all Easy the same money. stuff. Huh? Easy money. Yeah, dude. Easy. We'll just transfer. It's just a different song. No big deal. I know that song. We'll just right. do the same dance. And they're like, nah, that's, this is not, they were much smarter than I was. They're like, this will definitely not work. I'm like, so I take, I convince them. I'm like, listen, I saw him see him last night. It'll be fine. I got it. Blah, blah, blah. So come back to school the next day with the tape in hand and give it to the lady. And I can tell my friends are just like, this is the worst thing ever. Meanwhile, we're also the youngest kids in the school. So we're like, not cool. So You're not cool by default, by age. Yeah, because we're, yeah, we're the youngest kids in the school. So, and it turns out it's not just a winter sports assembly. Like when she pitched me the idea was like, It'll just be like the pe- the kids that are participating in winter sports. It turns out it's in an all school assembly to honor the winter sports, right? So right. I'm like, oh my! So I like peek my head in the gym, and the entire school is in there. So I'm just like, this is the worst thing ever. But it's fine. I saw MC Hammer. I- I'll I'll make this work. No problem. Seventh grade me for some reason had a lot more confidence in my abilities than reality. So. He had MC Hammer confidence. I did. I did. From the show, I definitely was I was living off of that experience. So anyway, they kill the lights in the gym, which at a middle school will make the kids go crazy right off the bat. Right? Big deal. That's a big Huge deal. Huge deal. Someone, I don't even know who, is on the mic, and they're like, Cedar Park Middle School, please welcome some very special guests. And people are going nuts. They're like, who is, who is coming to this school that we don't know about? You know? So we like trot ourselves out there where the lights are off and they turn the lights on. It was not, it was like this instant, like darkness to light. And then there's just like seven seventh graders standing in front of them. They're like, yeah, oh, oh." (laughs) you know? And so I'm like, okay, not a good start. Not a good start. All right. So they press play and the sound system is horrible. Like I can barely hear what's happening. Right. (laughs) So I can catch like every. 10th word I'm kind of catching so I'm like trying to keep the beat in my head and I'm just you can't touch this just breaking it down just dancing and dancing right and it's literally no one is having any reaction they're like just sitting there watching like are you running point on the operation 100% (laughs) 100% I'm not even really sure what guys are doing behind me yet you know I'm like okay okay like nobody's moving they're all looking at us like we're idiots like it's totally quiet like no one's moving clapping, singing along, nodding their head, nothing. It's just like stillness. Dead silence. 
So I see like movement up in my left hand corner. So I'm like, all right, cool. Here we go. That's how I just needed to start the fire. Now we're going. <laughs> I look up there and it's literally two teachers dancing. Like, you know, like, but they're dancing, like trying to get the kids involved. Like, this is terrible. Let's see if we can't somehow salvage this by looking like Come we're on, into it. Them. Yeah. Right. So, the, but they're the only two. So I'm like, hmm, okay. Also not good. Seventh grade me starting to process. This may not have been a good idea. I turn around and look, and the dancers are all just doing the running man. Like, that's it. There's no other. We had some flips and all this stuff. In there. None of that. Just the running man, and they're not even in sync. It's like all seven different versions of the running man. So I'm like, Whew, okay, that's not good either. So I think, you know what I need to do? I just need to go into the crowd. If I go into the crowd, we'll get people hyped. No big deal. It'll be sick. So I head into the crowd, and I shit you not – they separate. They like move out of the way like I have a disease. The seas parted like Dude, they parted, bro. Like <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I'm like waving my hands, like, yeah, get you know. So I like get in there, they separate. I'm like, ooh, okay, let's back that off. So I back off and I'm like, and I'm still going, right? And I look, guys are doing their thing, lip syncing. Now the remember that the PA is not I can't really hear it. So what I don't realize that they've actually like they're they realize how bad this is, so they stop the tape. They just cut it off right in the middle. I'm unaware that they've stopped the tape, and I'm continuing to lip sync to no music. Now, the dancers all heard that the tape had stopped and, like, quickly left the stage or left the, the gym. Like They were like, get me out of here right away. So I am out there by myself lip syncing to a song that is now no longer playing. And by the time I realized, I'm like, oh, shit, like this song's not going like no one's even clapping. It's just like silence. Like take your Ron Burgundy joke and and multiply it by uh, 10 times because there was like 700 kids there. Oh, my God. It's completely silent. I'm out there by myself. I turn around and I'm like. Oh my! And you know, like sometimes people like give you the sympathy clap, like, "Oh, okay, all right." Mm-hmm. Silence, dude. I walk out of the gym oh, in God. silence, dude. That's social suicide, dude. It was insane. Like, and and fortunately, it was right before Christmas break. So, like, by the time we came back, it wasn't like a huge deal. But like what? the rest of that day, like that dude, it was, we were just getting oh so harassed, dude. How did you, how did you how did you recover from that? Are I don't know. Question? I don't know that I ever did. I mean, maybe that's just who I that's maybe that's just who I am. And they that's did take a, a picture and put us in the the seventh grade yearbook. So that it's memorialized somewhere. Someone's. So, were yeah. your friends on the dance team, or were your friends in the crowd, or did you not have friends? No, those were my friends. My friends were my dance partners. They were like okay. the one. Yeah. So but they were they were, they were pissed. They were like, "Dude, we told you that was gonna suck." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah, you're right. I should have listened. My bad. That's uh, you know that's my I, fault." You know what I love about that story, though? Huh? You shot your shot. <laughs> I don't know if that's that's definitely that's, not the point of the story. That's the definition of shooting your shot, right there. <laughs> you choreograph a whole dance to a song, and the song gets the kibosh put on it. And yeah. you're like, you know what? Let's just do a new song, and we're good. We'll be we'll fine. Figure, we'll fi- we'll figure it out. I saw MC <laughs> Hammer last night. That was, and that was the thing. If I hadn't seen MC Hammer, I would have been like, "Listen, you're right. Bad idea. We're not doing it." And I can't believe I can't believe Hammer did you like that? Hammer did me dirty. <laughs> Hammer did me dirty. I mean, it, that's uh, yeah. That's like one of my most embarrassing moments. I think that is the most embarrassing moment of my life. 
I can't imagine there's much more embarrassing than that. And now I just put it out there on on a recorded. But like, thing. but it's character building because that's the other thing you notice. Like, once you get out of middle school and high school, when you're in middle school and high school, that fuels like the world. Yeah, you know, like that's that's the whole world is 700 people is the whole world. Right. And then and then you get to the real world and you realize it kind of flips. Like usually the people who weren't cool in high school become really good at school. And then Mm. the people who were cool in high school kind of ride that coolness out. And then, you know, you know what I mean? You you tend you tend to see it flip around a little bit and it's like, oh, that's that's weird. That's interesting. I guess I guess it wasn't. A 700 people world after all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. I wonder if any of those people, like, if they ever, like, remember those idiots did that thing? It's, uh, I don't know. If I can, if I can promise you anything, Kev, it's that every single one of those 700 people remember you dancing. Into oh, the crowd. no doubt. <laughs> it might, it might be something where they'd have to be reminded of because they haven't thought about it in 20 years. But I You're bet right. if you brought it up, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that spark, was terrible. If you, if you spark it, they'll be like, oh, oh I don't even know if they'd say it was terrible. I'd be like, I think a lot of them would look back on it fondly. No. Oh yeah. You did dance to MC hammer when the music was off, but you just kind of kept it going. There's no way anyone looked at that fondly. There's an energy to that. There's an energy and a confidence to dancing to MC (laughs) hammer (laughs) without rehearsal. Really? After you saw him live in the crowd without the even PA playing very loud. It was bad. It was, <laughs> there was nothing good about that. Nothing. I think there's a lot of good takeaways from that. <sighs> anyway, all right. Yeah, that was that was. See, I told you it was kind of a long story. We got but I, that's a that's a great story though. And I don't know. I feel like stuff like that. Like there's three or four moments I can look back on my life, like me getting caught smoking a cigar, that mm-hmm. are kind of life altering. Okay. You know? What's another one? Like where it just it steers you onto the right path. Yeah. All right. Give me another one. Another one. Meeting my friend Bryant. Bryant Hayes. He was uh shout out to Bryant Hayes. Shout out to Bryant Hayes. He probably won't hear this because he doesn't he doesn't listen or he doesn't go on social media at all. But um, I'm just sending him the just, episode in a text. Touche. Well played. Um, but he was just a super good dude and. We became buddies in like sophomore year, junior year, and junior year and senior year of high school. We took all the same classes, but he was like a nerd buddy with me where we would take like, you know, AP calculus and, and you know, AP physics. And we take these type of classes together and just hang out and get all of our homework done and shit like that, where he was a super good influence on my life. And like, he was funny and he just had a good time and like, he didn't have to party or anything like that. Like we were just, we would just have fun together and do stupid stuff and build rockets and potato cannons and stuff like that. Nice. <laughs> where, nice. where, so, you know, there's those, there's people you meet. Sometimes it's events that happen. Um, sports. Are you still friends with him? Oh yeah. He's still a good buddy of mine. Okay. He got married. He got married. So I don't talk to him very much anymore, but okay. you know how it goes. Hmm. What does he do? He's a software engineer. Oh, okay. So he's a he's a total programmer guru. And so in college, like I would do all the, um, or I would focus on, I should say, I would focus on the, the hardware, like the circuits and things like that. 
mm-hmm. and he was a he was a software guru so he would write all the code and he would just dive in on projects and whatnot he carried me through college in a way hmm. um where i relied on him a lot so yeah if it weren't for him i don't know if i would i just wouldn't have the same belief in myself from a a learning and knowledge standpoint because he just would figure stuff out and put the time in like he did the work i think that's one big characteristic i would attribute to him is just like putting the work in but in a way you know i was used to putting the work in for sports or Mm -hmm. for the gym or whatever and even sometimes not even being great at that but he put the work in in like life and knowledge and school and that is like a that was a game changer for me because I could see how successful he was and how well he did on tests and how just excited about engineering he was and Apple products and innovation and all this type of stuff where it was like, that was a, that was a big, you know, kind of game changing moment for me is becoming a friend of, you know, becoming friends with him. Hmm. Okay. I feel what, what kind of, I feel like you probably got some of those in your life where it just like kind of, you're on one path and you look back and you see how something steered you onto the right path that you don't even realize at the time. Mm. Yeah. Nothing really that interesting. Um, hmm. Like dancing MC hammer. In yeah. No, school. no, no, nothing like that. Honestly, the Gary, v, humble pie. Yeah. Gary V helped me realize like I wanted to have, a different path life. to my life than what I'd been doing. Mm. So how long yeah. you been watching his stuff? How long you been following? Uh, that? I read Crush It in like 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I just wasn't in a place where I was open to. I did a lot of like, like I would learn stuff but not apply it. Yeah, um, a lot, of, a lot of thinking, not a bunch of doing. Yeah. That's and, my biggest problem. And by learning, it almost gives you an like, oh well, yeah, no, I'm reading these books and I'm doing these things, but you're not doing. You're like, like the the learning process itself is the doing, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful, and I do a lot of that, and I still struggle with like, okay, I need to execute. You know, so that's why I was telling you like the first podcast is like, you know, God bless my mom. She's willing to like come on and talk about teen mom. Cause I was like, I just, I just need to do it. I just need to start doing it. You know, that's one that's Gary V one one too, but you know, it's so, hard to, it's, it's hard to put into practice. You said that was like a year ago that you brought mama bear on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Just over it. a year. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to, I mean, looking back on the past year of doing it and putting podcasts out, Mm-hmm. What do you what do you reflect on? What do you what do you like? What's been hard? Uh, what's been hard is uh, editing. I it's not hard. I just don't like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, the audio stuff, like I still don't like. I'm not good at like. They're like, oh, I'll just turn the gain down. Like, I don't even know what that really means. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how to like deal with you know. And I mm-hmm. don't. I don't. I don't like it enough to even want to to learn it. Like, I just wish could magically get done um there's a couple things i really do like like i was telling you my friend matt you know he was like i was listening to the pod and it's like it reminded me of the conversations that we used to have like you just have this natural ability to like make conversations move and that kind of gave me i was like yeah actually that is i've 
have done that all my life and I really like I like talking it's weird because I don't really like people but I do like individual conversations and being able to like find out about people and see what makes them and that's why I probably got a degree in psychology to start like I just I'm, I'm interested in like what makes people tick you know I'm t- I'm totally with you but I'm especially um particularly rather interested in in your idea that you don't like people because I've felt that way before, mm-hmm. but I don't feel that way now. So what, like, what makes you say you don't like people? I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that I just have a small circle of people that I like, and I kind of just would rather invest in those people. And a lot of times, people like that I don't know, I just watch them do things. It's just annoying. I'm like, why are you doing that? You know. <laughs> And so then I just generalize it to be like anybody that I don't know is probably someone I don't like. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's not good. I'm not saying that's a healthy thing, but I'm just saying that like I Kinda tend to be, yeah. and maybe as I've gotten older, I just I am more particular about who I spend my time with. That reminds me of that. There's a Sebastian joke. <laughs> you know Sebastian, yeah. the stand-up comedian. Yeah, I have not yeah. seen much of him. I know who he is, but I have not seen his. He's got this hilarious bit about exactly that where he's like running on the treadmill at the gym and he's like making fun of this guy who's got his little, his little, you know, his little buds to put in and, you know, he's getting everything just right and he's just, you know, going off on this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, and my wife asks me, why do you care so much? It's like, I don't, I like to be bothered. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe that is it. I don't know. That, I just that's that's how I feel. I, I think is part of like how I was raised, mm-hmm. like just just me and my dad. And when we would when we would go places and do things, we would just like kind of make jokes about people, and you know make jokes about ourselves in a way. Yeah. And, and then you get yeah. older and you realize it's like, gosh, I just nitpick people and myself way more than is healthy. Yeah. But I, but mm-hmm. I kind of can't help it, and I guess you can help it, but I, I get what you're saying 100%. I've been trying to fix it a little, though. Like, ah, I shouldn't hate people so much. I didn't say hate. I just said don't like. Like, I just... Oh, mine's hate. Mine, I mine love dogs, pure, you know? Mine is, mine is pure hatred on huh. the road. When okay. I get on the, when I get oh, on the yeah. road... Oh, yeah. Oh, Especially after moving to California, as soon as I get on that road and there's people changing three lanes with no blinker in a two series BMW, yeah. I have some pretty hateful thoughts coming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, Cal- like- that's why I, California, because I'm bad in traffic in Salem, so I just can't. Yeah, I'd be bad. Salem traffic is getting out of hand. It know? is. It is. I live in, it's because all these Californians moving up here. Is that it? Yeah. Because they look and they say, oh, well, it's an hour to the Portland. Like, okay, done. You know, like that's a short commute for us. That's so, true. You know, yeah, I don't it's... think about that. Once once you leave Salem, like in, you know, growing up, I thought going to Portland was a big trip. Right. Right. Like going up to Portland, like we're going up to Portland today. Yeah. That's a big trip. And yeah. then you move to other places and driving 45 minutes is just a commute you know that's right, right. every day that's just everyday life I, mean, I think that's part of just growing up in a i don't know i don't want to say salem's small but you when you live in bigger it, cities it's like oh, yeah it's kind and of, it's it was kind of like when you were growing up salem was small i mean it's it's still small but it's, it's 
growing way faster than like I do you remember a time before West Salem High School cuz I do Yeah barely barely but yeah barely cuz mm-hmm. that was an I was an orchard at one point up there yeah, that was just crazy an orchard and then now it's the school for the privileged what do you yep. what do you know Yeah there it is <laughs> So what uh, what's like your long term? First of all, what was this project that you wanted to talk about? I don't even remember. Oh, okay. Uh, Were you st- are you starting a podcast or is like something uh, like? Yeah, I definitely I definitely want to. It's in my interest. Like I, like I said, I I had one four years ago with mm-hmm. a pretty big guest, and I was just so underprepared and in a weird spot that I was like, oh, I'm never doing a podcast again. Huh. But the more I talk to you and the more I dig into myself and try to get back to myself, I realize it's like, I love long forum conversations. Yeah. I love just talking and getting to know people's stories and how they become who they are and what makes people tick and just people in general. I think that's why I like sales in a way, um, as opposed to sticking to engineering. So I'm like, you know what? I think it's a, I think it would be good for me to have a podcast. Now, Hmm. the weird thing is, is like having a corporate job and a podcast. Yeah. Where, you know, like you don't, you don't want to say something too stupid that you put your job on the line or something. Sure. Sure. And I don't think I would because I just, I'm a pretty genuine dude and I try to speak from the heart and all that good stuff. And I think people generally get when you have good intentions and all that good stuff. But, yeah, so I think I'm going to get a podcast going. I guess one of the bigger projects is starting stand-up comedy by July 1st, first open mic sec. That's like, it still set. doesn't feel super real to me. I'm like, nah. but like we we got to really start getting moving. Yeah, I mean, if you want to bitch out, that's fine. I'm going to call <laughs> you out for it, but, <laughs> I mean, but that's fine. Yeah. I, I get it. You're scared. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm scared that it's going to be, I'm going to make some Ron Burgundy jokes and it's going to be crickets. But I see, I think that's one of the reasons I'm not like super scared is I just expect to make Ron Burgundy jokes, which yeah. I don't know if is the right mindset, but at least, you know, happiness is reality divided by expectations. So if I expect to at least bomb a little bit, then what's the worst that can happen? We might have to do a couple pods like on the way to kind of go through the process of like what we're doing and you I think know. that makes sense cuz I'd like to, I mean I could talk about how I came up with my first bits cuz that was kind of a trip in general literally yeah. in that sensory deprivation tank of just laying in there and it's funny cuz some of the realizations I was coming to is that it can't be just thoughts there's got to be action to back it up cuz mm. I was I was thinking all these thoughts and of, of who I was and what I wanted to do and what I wanted my life to be. But I'd been thinking that for a year, two years, three years. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't changing any habits or daily actions to, to lead towards that. So what am I really doing? Hmm. It, you know, it's delusion in a way of thinking that I'm going to be this successful person or this independent person or this entrepreneur or this comedian or this whatever if 
I'm not really doing anything to back it up. It's just, it's just a thought. It's a pipe dream with no action. That's like thinking I'm going to be Greg Plater without putting any shots up in the gym. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's unrealistic. So I think it's cool to, uh, to finally, you know, like I, I got in the, I got in the tank and I started having these realizations of like, Whoa, you're not who you think you are. Like you mm. think you're, you think you're going working towards this, but, like how many jokes you put on paper right zero right like how many bits have you worked on zero so what what are you really and so i got out of there and like because that led to some other just creative thoughts of like analyzing how i grew up and i mean the first joke is just about having black cousins and a black uncle and growing up as a as a white guy with black family in Salem, which isn't a super diverse city. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) at the time, like I remember being in third grade. Yeah, I was in third grade and uh, my uncle and cousins brought me into a hoop dance. You remember the the hoop dances? Oh yeah. And they, they had also taught me to crip walk at this point. Hey, so I'm a, I'm just like a third grade curly headed white kid crip crip walking all over the hoop you know with with eighth graders and whatnot and i thought i was the coolest thing since sliced bread at the time okay (laughs) now were did was that other people's perception too or i just have to assume so i mean my cousins obviously thought it was hilarious and they taught me and they thought it was cool because you know i was super into it and i loved the music and whatnot Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, the girls, they all like, got a giggle out of it and they thought it was cute that this little, you know, uh, Zach's little brother and Justin Jordan Corey's little cousin. It was mm. like at the dance and he's just, you know, this little, this little adorable little kid. But I'm like, yeah, ladies, what's up? Can I'm you still I'm out here doing walk? my thing at, without a doubt. Okay. On, okay. on, com- on command. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> This, I don't is good, see, this is good to know. But also, like, I think my skill level is about the same, and it makes me realize it's like, eh, okay, you weren't as cool as you thought. Mm-hmm. It also reminds me of uh, after my cousins got braids, I also wanted braids. Wanted or got? Wanted. Okay. So, okay. Like, I wanted cornrows. Yeah. Eleven years old. and and i'll never forget my dad being like all right how do i handle this one (laughs) (laughs) you know because because he wants braids obviously he wants braids he looks up to his cousins they're cool he wants to be like them you know who doesn't look up to their older siblings and family members Mm -hmm. but at the same time like can't let my 11 year old get cornrows right so, now. So yeah. So how how what was the resolution there? Genius is what the resolution was. It was genius. Video game decoy. Ooh. Okay. He goes. All right. You can get cornrows, or you can get the video game of your choice. Dang. You and you apparently did not want cornrows that badly. Not as bad as I wanted a video game. What do you think he would have done if you had a said, that's fine, I'll take the cornrows? He probably would have doubled down. Like said two video games? Something, something. Okay. 
Because okay. I just I just don't think I just don't think he could have. Maybe he would have let me go through with it. Do you but, remember what game you got where you sold your Cornrows Dreams down the river? Do you remember what it was, game it was for? It was either 007 Goldeneye on N64. Ooh, okay. That is that is well worth the trade. Or quality. Or Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Okay, okay. Also, also. Top no- both top-notch video games. So yeah. I was at least a man of culture at the time. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the real question is, though, in 007, did you outlaw uh, Oddjob? Oh no, he was fair game. I was really? all about the, I was all about the cheapskates. See, I, that makes me wonder how good you really were then, because like, odd job, great. I was odd just job gave an unfair advantage. I was just better than my family. That was all that mattered. Okay, all right, because I was in college at that point, so we were going hard on that. I was like, oh. like if people were bad, I would play one handed just to try to like <laughs> handicap myself. And I wasn't even the best. Like I had friends that knew the sp- like you could memorize the spawn positions, and so they would just get proximity mines and just go put them on all the spawns. Like the next one that you, they would first of all they'd put them on all of them, but then when they got really good, they would just go to the one right before where you're gonna appear after you die, and they would and then you would just keep blowing up because you would they would just keep putting it on the spawn point where you were gonna respawn each time. It was super annoying, but that's how I feel on Call of Duty these days. What's that? That's how I feel in Call of Duty these days. Oh, yeah, dude. I, yeah. There's just levels. And yeah. I was good on Call of Duty back in the day, like World at War, Modern Warfare 2. Okay. You know? But nowadays, I try and pick it up. Like, oh, I used to, you know, I love these games. I played most of them. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there's levels to it. There's I talked just... about this on the pod last week. I, I think there's a market for like recreational gamers. So people that like have full-time jobs and families and I don't know how you would like track it, but that's, yeah, like me, I don't play online anymore because I just get murdered, you know? But like, I bet if you and I play, I'm too competitive for that. Huh? Yeah, exactly. I'm too competitive for that. I get too frustrated. If you and I played, you'd probably kill me, but it would at least be closer, you know, like it wouldn't be 27 kills, one death. And I'm at 28 kills, or I mean 28 deaths and no kills. Like, it, like so you're playing the. This is absurd. Like, why am I even playing right now? But those people have like way more hours to commit to it than I do. Right. So it's like you I think there's a market. For, huh? You ever mess around with Rocket League? No. I'm oh, telling you, dude. I don't online game anymore for that reason. Like, I just got tired of getting yeah. beat by people with less responsibilities. See, Rocket League does it well because they have a ranking system where okay. you only you like if even if you play competitive, you only play people within your ranks. So like, see, but then people you used to that in Halo Two where they would get up to like the fifty rank and then they would like play games and just die the whole time so their rank would drop. See, uh, okay. that's what I'm saying. You'd have to have some kind of like back end where you're like tracking the number of hours people play. Like you'd have to have an algorithm for like how long they've played, like what you know, their kill to death ratio, like all that. Like you'd have to be able to find them, you know. I mean, you'd, you'd think that like with AI and being able to track players' movements and everything, you could just tell like when people pull certain moves and can know know certain things. True. That like when they can no scope and say, let no scope. Yeah, it's like, like oh, okay, well, that guy's at least this level. He needs <laughs> yeah. to get out of these. Exactly. Of these I just think there would be, I think there's a market for that because, like, if you could get in, like, all right, 
I'm going to play with people that I know I could compete with. I'd be down. Like, I would still play online. So here's a question. Do you think video games are a waste of time? No. Go not on. at all. Do you? No, not at all. Oh, okay. But I do sometimes. Where there's sometimes where I think I lay in bed and I'm thinking to myself, damn, how much time have I spent playing video games? And what do I have to show for that time? Yeah. But then I kind of go over to the other side of the conversation of, well, there's like the Buddhist saying, time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Hmm. So, and I, I enjoy competing and that's fun. And there's the hand-eye coordination and, and there's escapism in all shapes and forms. And I feel like it's a form of escapism. Well, but a I lot def- of it has problem solving elements, puzzles. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, that's good. But if you were to take all the time you've played video games in your life and applied that to building websites or yeah. marketing or yes. building a business or something along those lines, for sure, you'd, you'd probably have a lot more to show for it. Yes, I agree. I agree. So that's shoot, maybe the hard I thing to that. see. Okay, that's the hard thing to reconcile inside of my brain, like with how my yeah. head works. Yeah. But if you think about that towards everything, then you don't do anything enjoyable. You know, then you don't watch movies or TV or. Then you're just Gary View says, "I, I, that's why I do this. I love it. Like, you know, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So maybe that is maybe that is part of this part of the sauce, part of the secret sauce. Yeah, I don't know. That's hard for me to. It's hard for me to. Again, that goes back to changing habits and changing behaviors. Where yeah, those are some things in my habits and behaviors that are tough for me to give up sometimes. Like I thought about throwing my TV out and throwing my, you know, Xbox out and just yeah. having a laptop where you can still watch Netflix, you can still watch Hulu, you can still watch HBO, whatever. I don't watch stuff on smaller screens as much though. I don't either. That's the point. Yeah, I know. That was yeah. <laughs> right. Rough. Or rough. or or then you'd sit down at the computer and it's like, all right, do I want to watch Netflix or do I want to work on this bit? Yeah, Ooh, those are those are tough. Real See, that's life. part of the reason. Look in the mirror I, decisions. Yeah, that's part of the reason I like doing the pop culture pod, though, is because I can talk about the things I'm watching, the video games I'm playing, because then then it's like not as much waste of time because I do have something to show for it when we talk about it. That's true. That's a hundred percent true, and I agree with that. I guess I'm mostly talking about myself. Where no, I no, I mean I agree too. Like I mean I. Just, just started the pod but like i do like pop culture a lot so it just made sense and i i do like I me mean, i like watching tv i like watching movies so i was like well well i just talk about what i thought about it so i don't know yeah and well and i'm with you where i just enjoy like when i got into jordan peterson i could relate a lot of movies a lot of stories a lot of tv shows to these character arcs and these these traits and characteristics that i wanted to strive for and not be and all that type of stuff so there's a lot of value it brings but it's something i think about pretty regularly is the amount of because i always feel busy like Mm -hmm. i was even talking to you you know leading up to the podcast of like ah, i'm busy i got all this work and whatnot Mm -hmm. um and it's true like i've just been super stressed out with work much more than i would like 
and I got this ocean of stuff on my desk and yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, if I really broke down my day, if I really broke down what I was doing, how much of it was productive work creating what I needed to create and how much of it was just kind of slightly dicking around, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just, mm-hmm. just kind of some form of dicking around or, Oh, eat more than I need to because I want to kill time because I don't really feel like putting in the work to create this presentation and reading the papers and doing everything I got to do because I'm kind of hungry. So I'm going to make a a nice charcuterie board. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, you know, Jeez. something, some, something time consuming so mm-hmm. I don't really have to do the work. Uh, hmm. I don't know, just all sorts of stuff like that. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's hilarious to to look at the hypocrisy of my own life sometimes, but like in a motivating way. Yeah. Whereas, like, huh? Don't think too highly of yourself, or don't uh, you know? Don't get on your high horse too much because you got a lot of you got a lot of work to do in a way. Okay. All right. Here, how about this on? What's one habit right now that you that you have that you feel like is crushing that you implementing like man this is really helping my life and then what's one habit that you wish you could you know like throwing out your TV or whatever what's one thing that's if you weren't doing that would make you more productive mm. I like that um, I think regular exercise is definitely the one that. I know helps me a lot and it helps me, um, I don't know. It just makes me better. makes me think better. It clears my mind. It makes me feel better. It just, you know, it all makes me What are you doing exercise wise? It changed. It actually changes a lot. So I was in a, you know, just a, a kind of bro lifting routine of like push pull legs and, you know, just going to the gym for an hour or two hours. And then, I did sober October actually, which was really good for me. Okay. And I started I started mixing it up a little bit where I was doing a lot more stretching, and I did some jujitsu. Oh really? Thing, yeah, yeah. Down was, in was, San Diego. Uh, I was in Phoenix at the time. Okay. And that was dope. I actually got a, a homie of mine is a is a black belt, and he recommended this gym. He just got promoted, so he's just a an assassin. Obviously, nice. been doing it for. 12 years or something huh. and i just have a ton of respect for him he's a super smart dude and i don't know he's a black belt you know yeah. and he's like oh you got to check this place out the guys are really cool there so i went and i did and i don't know it was a, it was a blast but solo hibero has a gym down there in san diego where, where you're at oh really yeah i'm not i'm not how long i mean sounds like you're into jits then how long you been doing it uh well that's a that's a complicated question. I started in two thousand six, but I've had way more years where I wasn't training than I was. So, mm. but um yeah, Solo's like one of the most decorated jujitsu guys. You know, like he, he's probably in he's probably in his forties now, but like in his competition heyday, he was like the man. So, um yeah, his school is down is down there. I think it's called. Jiu-Jitsu University or something, something, something with the university in it, but yeah. See, I'm in a t- even. I I loved everything about it and the mm-hmm. concept of it and the exercise and everything, but there's also part of me that just 
feels like it's kind of breaking down my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Where, like, I just don't want to get my knee twisted that way and my ankle twisted that way and my uh -huh. shoulder twisted that way mm -hmm. where I also don't want to, I enjoy the challenge and the, the problem solving and puzzle and learning and growing aspect of it, competing, physical exertion, but maybe that's just my excuse or my crush that I lean on where like, so you eh. don't have, you don't have like a set thing you're doing now. You're just kind of, no, I mean, lately since I moved to San Diego and I've only been here like a week and a half or something along those lines, I, uh, I haven't found my gym locally. So I've just been walking the dog a ton. Like my huh. uncle's dog. I take him out on, or take her out rather on a two mile loop and just walk her. Nice. And so it's, and it's something that I stretch and it just, again, my, so to bring it back to your question of something I don't like that I do is I'm constantly monitoring my work email huh. constantly. Even when so you're I, not at work? Well, so I work from home. Oh, <laughs> and so okay. Ex exactly. So I wake up at 6, 6.30. First thing I do, check my email. Mm. As soon as I'm like opening my eyes in bed, I'm checking my email because it's huh. just always on my mind. And right before I go to bed, I'm checking my email. Ooh. It's just it's just something that's always I'm refreshing on my phone. And... See, that would stress me out though, because especially if like there's a problem or something hits, then you're trying to go to sleep after you. Why would you do that? Yeah, it's just it's it's um. So since I I'm responsible for the customers in my area and like I mm. own these accounts and these are, you know, I've heard it described as running a small business. So yeah. I'm responsible for keeping them happy. I'm responsible for getting them their new products, taking care of the old products, solving any problem they have in between. So I'm just always on because mm -hmm. I like, I want to, since I'm new and I'm young and I'm ambitious, I want to go above and beyond and make sure they, you know, no matter what they feel that, but that's also kind of an excuse where if I worked from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., they would probably feel the exact same. Yeah. But it feeds my ego a little to to always be answering emails at night. And not mm. always. You know you know, what, I'm, you yeah. know what I mean? Is, is steadily doing that. And I don't know. I just don't think it's a – I think it's a, important to compartmentalize a bit. Mm -hmm. And it's not something I'm good at because I find a lot of my – identity and my value in my work and hmm. so it feels good to work but it's not necessarily always good for me i guess yeah. hmm. okay. I, th I think so that's probably the the bad habit of like needing to compartmentalize a little more needing needing to unplug and that's what i love about sensory deprivation takes is it's you know forced unplug or forced disconnection of there is no checking your phone. There's there's nothing. You gotta just sit and think and ponder and you know it's just you in there. There's nothing to nothing to distract you. Now, are you doing those regularly or? I was, uh -huh. so I haven't done one for the last week and a half since I. I guess it's probably been two weeks almost since I've been in Portland, or uh, San Diego rather. I was in Portland mm -hmm. for a week for work, but. Um, I got a group on for three, three floats at a place down here. It's just, they're so damn expensive. Yeah, for that's sure. 
so when I was in Phoenix, there was a spot where it was like 130 bucks a month. You get unlimited. Come every day, hmm. once a day. It doesn't matter for like 140 bucks a month. And I was like, sweet, that's a steal. Yeah. Now everywhere I go, it's a minimum of you know fifty dollars a float. Mm-hmm. Jeez, jeez, you know yeah. I enjoy this. It it is a good therapy for me, but fifty bucks a float—that's kind of steep. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. Maybe I just I uh, I tend to have a, an obsessive nature where like I tried floating and I liked it, and I proceeded to do it you know five days a week for the next two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I or similarly, like just before that, I like started fly fishing and I enjoyed fly fishing and I proceeded to do it five days a week for the next month. Right. <laughs> so I, I think that's, a, <laughs> I think it's good. You know, there's good and bad to that as I'm sure yeah. you can attest where you can pick up stuff really fast and you can get into it, but you can get obsessed and lose sight of things as well. For sure. Um, what are you doing eating wise? Do you have any like rules for how you eat or? Uh, I go through ebbs and flows, I guess, like anyone I've been through, uh, I've been through bodybuilding phases where I'm counting every calorie that goes in and every macro of protein, fat and carb mm-hmm. and, you know, counting weighing, you got a food scale and dumping egg whites into a, a ninja blender uh-huh. with, <laughs> with, with some muscle farm ice a banana and water drinking that bad boy down which is delicious which is delicious by the way okay um but more probably the past i don't know i was in a long distance relationship and a relationship about a year ago that kind of had me reeling back on my fitness and (laughs) and just kind of coasting and then i think the same goes uh breakups create bodybuilders and i didn't go that deep but we broke up and i started like oh i need to get in shape a little more okay and so i started rocking the whoop the heart rate monitor and that made me realize i burn a lot of calories Hmm. i just eat so fucking much (laughs) (laughs) that i was getting that i was putting on lbs so i started just rocking a little portion control and and that kind of pulled me back into a more healthy healthy weight for myself so i still splurge probably more than i should but on food you know eating burgers and fries and stuff Mm -hmm. along those lines um but just kind of not doing a 12 13 14 dollar taco bell order four four times a week okay (laughs) worked wonders for me yeah well good (laughs) that's good okay Hmm. all right well uh is there if people want to know more about you do you exist online or i am on the interwebs uh places so you can hit me up on instagram brian bowmania b-r-y-a-n-b-o-w-m-a-n-i-a Okay. Bowmania. That was actually a nickname a football coach gave me. That's pretty good. I don't mind it. I wish I could just get at Bowmania, but such is life. You said you built your personal website. Do you still have – does that still exist? Uh, I took it down for now because it was kind of – it got kind of dated over the last four years, and I want to make it more modern. Okay. I guess it's part of 
kind of the perfectionism in a way of was it like the dunder mifflin website exactly that's exactly <laughs> what the old one looked like yeah <laughs> so okay. i had to update that okay and then yeah if you want to hear me on a podcast hit me on that uh the little pod that could yeah yeah hottest hottest up and coming salem podcast i mean that i know of we're trying to be yeah we're definitely just the only one you know of so, but that's all so, right so I, hey the hottest one i know of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> no i appreciate you having me on man this was a good talk it was yeah, uh, dude. i'm that excited was to uh to develop some bits and work on some of that shit check in and yeah it's gonna be rough yeah it's it's not gonna be mc hammer in front of 700 people it's, without yeah, any music. i don't rough. think it could be that level i don't know that but it still doesn't matter like that, I feel like that should give you some confidence, though. It's like nothing is going to be that difficult. <laughs> That's true. It's like, worst, case scenario, like... worst case scenario, we have a dozen people who are, I mean, like when was the last open mic you went to and just sat yeah. in the crowd? I did actually go to open mic a couple years ago, and it was, there were some hitters that, like, they're, like, that's what they do. They're comedians, and they just go around to the open mics and work on their bits. So there was some people there. I was like, ooh, I mean, they were really funny. I was like, yikes, that would be. That would be rough to try to follow those guys or go up, you know. Well, that's not what I need to hear right now. I need, yeah, sorry. I need words of encouragement. And that was in Salem. I can't <laughs> I would imagine in San Diego you can have a oh, larger talent make, pool. Hey, well, I feel super encouraged to yeah. go work on my hey, no problem. Now. That's what I do. <laughs> no, thank you, brother. It is yeah, getting kind of late. Let's, yeah, uh, let's call it. Sure. Let's wrap it, huh? All right, dude. All right, man. All right.